This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 9th of June. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. I'm in such a foul mood. I can't even begin. It should be a cracking programme, then, shouldn't it? I'm in a bad mood. It generally gets things going quite well, because once the blood pressure's risen, and believe you me, it's risen quite high this morning, uh, once I went through the papers, it got even worse. Kate Moss, her jet booze binge. I mean, who gives a stuff about Kate Moss? You know, she's a model. So, she endorses lots of products. So, quite clearly, she goes off the rails and she gets drunk and she's an embarrassment. And, uh, and once you get drunk, you say things, you kind of regret them afterwards. Phil Neville's wife, Julie, is fighting back after the Twitter trolls. It now carries a two-year prison sentence. Gone are the old days. Once they found you, you're in prison. It's as simple as that. These people have got to be stopped, she says. And she's right. And Rowan Atkinson had a car. I think he's, he's, he's just got 15 times the amount that he paid for it. I think he's driven off with something like 8 million quid from a McLaren Formula One. Um, it's so funny because I remember years and years ago, I went up to a, to a show that he was appearing on. I was with somebody else and we were sitting there and he was reading his book. He was the most boring man I'd ever seen in my entire life. Uh, seriously, I mean, you know, I know you go, oh, comedians, they're funny all the time. No, believe you me, they're not. He just sat there reading his book. And it was, and I remember thinking, oh, he's, you, I don't know what we expected him to do, to stand up and tell jokes, I don't know. But uh, none of that. Uh, but he does like his very, very expensive cars. He really does. Uh, Bart Simpson's going to be killed off. Uh, and just before you get too excited about it, I can tell you, A, who the killer is, and for how long. All of that coming up. Plus uh, two Jags. Old Prescott's got a speeding ban. He was the one who brought in these sort of things, didn't he? He was the one who was complaining about it before. And so because he's gone over his 12 points... He's now been taken off the road, so from two jags to no jags. And the roller coaster victim who has her leg amputated. The park reopens. I mean, it couldn't actually happen on a worse day, could it? Park reopens, and um, she's on the front page of the paper. She's going to lose a leg just above the knee, I think it is. And the park have said that, you know, they're going to help her every step of the way. They think there could be compensation. What they've got to prove, though, is was it negligence uh, or was it human error? What was it? Was it uh, just a fault on the machine? That, that is the, the question that they need answering. The Daily Star have managed to find a link because they found a picture of her with Joey Essex. Taken a while ago, uh, but of course there must be thousands of pictures of Joey Essex with girls, and that's it. She met him once. There's no link at all. They're trying to make out that there's something else there, which of course there isn't. Uh, Paul Gaza Gascoigne has, um, has started spending his 188,000 quid, which he got for the phone hacking. He's had Botox, he's had everything, and um, as I say, it's a shame, really, because I was so hoping he was going to give the money back to the people who'd helped him through rehab first time round. When he was diagnosed at the age of 33 as being an alcoholic, uh, people could have helped him then. He could have helped himself, but he chose not to. Uh, instead, he leaves it until he's gone so far down the U-Bend that everybody else has to step in and rescue him. And then they pay. And I don't know how much they paid. I think Gary Lineker might have given like 20 grand or 30 grand. I don't, it doesn't matter what it is. You'd have thought the first thing Paul Gascoigne would have done is offer the money back. But no, he started buying clothes. He's, uh, he's had his Botox. He's had all sorts of things. But it doesn't really alter the fact that he, sh- that he should have helped. He should have helped out. You know, he should have offered the people their money back. Said, listen, you helped me when I was down. Here's the money back and here's something else for yourself. But uh, as usual, as far as we can see, there's nothing going on in that department at all. It doesn't appear to be. I'd like to think that he would do that. I would like to think it, but it doesn't always happen, does it? It doesn't always happen. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. In this particular case, it doesn't. It took Gemma Collins long enough, didn't it, to pay that uh, money. 
But uh, the money that she said, oh, it's going to charity. Anyway, she is in the papers today. I can't wait to tell you what she said because she's proven, I think, uh, once and for all, that she really does speak out of her rear end. I mean, it's just absolutely the stupidest thing you've ever heard. I mean, how this woman ever made it to adulthood, I've got no idea. Front page story on the mail was the interesting one for many people. Uh, Greville Janner. Uh, now there are allegations that he sexually abused a teenage boy. And there was a complaint, and the police have found the complaint. What happened to it? We've got no idea. That's what this investigation will find out. There are 22 historic child sex offences, but the CPS, as you know, have ruled that he shouldn't face trial because he's suffering from advanced Alzheimer's. Um, The family have said, and they've said consistently, you know, he's innocent of all of these things. He doesn't know what's going on at all. Uh, No wrongdoing. Although three further investigations into the peer were launched in 2002, 2006 and 2013, the CPS has admitted that he should have been charged on each occasion. And he's 86 now. Liz Ducks, who is representing the uh, the young boy, who is now a man who made the allegations relating to Scotland, said, I'd be keen to see every allegation that has not been properly investigated looked at again. The solicitor said lawyers would pursue civil claims against Lord Janner on behalf of his alleged victims, even if an ongoing independent review upholds the CPS's decision not to prosecute. So independently, they think that they they can actually go for it. So there is pressure growing to charge him despite the ill health. Uh, But I don't know enough about Alzheimer's. I don't know what you remember, what you don't. I wouldn't have thought it made any difference, actually. Because otherwise, you might as well just say, "Oh, here he is, somebody who's uh, who is responsible for all the uh, the deaths in Auschwitz." This this particular person here, but because he's got dementia, we can't put him on trial. And of course, I mean, if the uh, if the Simon Wiesenthal organisation found anybody like that, I don't think they'd really care whether or not they had Alzheimer's or not. They'd be more keen to get them into court and to uh, to make them sit there and and face their accusers. And in the case of uh, Greville Janner, I mean, it's it is an odd case, whichever way you look at it. You know, despite his ill health, there is still pressure growing to charge him because it shouldn't, in theory, make any difference that somebody's 86. But if he's got Alzheimer's, then he can't remember anything. But then perhaps you could jog his memory. Did we not have a programme on the television the other day looking at Alzheimer's and saying that what you need with these people is to is to sort of jog their memory and to make them think? We were having a long discussion in the office about this yesterday, saying that um, in in a lot of old people's homes where you get people saying, oh, I'd like to go and talk to my dad. And as opposed to saying, listen, your dad died years ago, they say, "Um, well, he's not back from work yet. You can have a chat with him a bit later on. So later on never comes, but it doesn't really matter. That's that's the way that they appear to be dealing with it. So they put up little shops. It jogs people's memories. And I'm quite sure that there would... Because I think the test for for uh, for dementia is really bizarre. It's really bizarre. It's, some, it's something that's complicated. Can you count backwards? And can you remember different numbers in different sequences? And if you, if you fail that, and it would be quite easy, I suppose, to fail it, uh, they then go, well, you've got dementia, and it's advanced, and we can't do anything about it. Now this is a, a new probe that's coming out, and the police have said that they can go back in their files and find out whether or not this was lodged as a complaint. And they say... It was. What happened to it after that? We've got no idea. We'll probably find out. Talking of um, of complaints, be respectful, says a boys football coach who was assaulted by a father. And this is one of these little teams. It's a children's football club and they go out there and they have a kick around. But unfortunately, it isn't the kids who are the problem. It's the parents. Stuart Collins was one of those who was who was uh, refereeing one of these little games. And uh, he was left with two black eyes, a broken nose after he was repeatedly punched in the face by somebody called Martin Ogazi. Uh, 
in Bexley Heath. The attack began ten minutes into the friendly game between Mr Collins's Danson Sports FC and Eversley United when Mr O'Garza shouted, give him more of that, after his son fouled an opposing player. When Mr Collins politely warned him to stop telling his son to hurt other children, he was physically attacked by Mr O'Garza. Martin O'Garza is a convicted thug now. He's, uh, he has got four children. He's split from his wife since the attacks. Not at all surprised the man's a danger to himself. A coach on an adjoining pitch tried to act as a peacemaker. He was sent sprawling by a blow. And uh, then Mr Collins's wife stepped in and sister to stop the fight. Then Mr O'Garzi tried to flee the sports ground but was detained until the police arrived. Thank God for that. Should have been thrown in prison. But, uh, but he wasn't. And all he actually got, got, I think, was a 150 hours community service, £500 compensation to his victim after being convicted of actual bodily harm and assault and a 12-month suspended sentence. So if ever you bump into Martin Ogarzi, remember you're dealing with a convicted thug, ladies and gentlemen, a man who shouldn't be allowed anywhere near uh, children or football coaches, because he doesn't seem, to, uh, doesn't seem to work with either of them, I'm afraid. And then there was another case in the paper. I said there were loads in the papers. And this is a lady who, tragically, she lost um, a child, her son. Uh, Maxine uh, has visited his uh, grave in a Teddington cemetery. I know this cemetery very well, actually. Very well indeed. And um, she then arrived at the cemetery, I think on May the 8th, to find that 19 stone and porcelain ornaments had been taken from the grave. Then when she visited on May the 25th, they found the photograph of her little angel had been smashed. I mean, I can't actually believe that anybody would seriously thieve from, from a cemetery and from a grave of a child. I mean, there were lots of ornaments on the grave. There was, uh, you know, a sort of animals and a bear and all sorts of things like that. And he passed away. He was born with this congenital heart defect, missing spleen, no liver and underdeveloped lungs. But he was a little miracle. When he was born, they gave him just six months to live. Uh, Richmond Council said staff are paying close attention to this section of land. They've taken fingerprints off the gravestone. And uh, they say it happened between 6.15 and 9.45am. Somebody's actually gone in and taken something. You know, which is of no use to anybody. Stone and porcelain ornaments. Well, I mean, they're obviously going to find them, aren't they? And hopefully there'll be some CCTV around the area and they'll find somebody. Because if you're taking 19 of them away, you've got to have something, haven't you? You've got to have a car to put them into. And people who drive on, the uh, the number plate will be visible. So they will be caught. And then you'll probably find... Do you remember you had that... Um, we had those uh, people a short while ago who were thieving flowers. Thieving flowers from uh, cemeteries and reselling them in their shop. They were a florist, but they would, they would go to the cemetery, they'd climb in at night, take all the flowers off the graves, take them back to their shop and resell them back to people. And uh, luckily they actually got convicted, and that wasn't a million miles away from here. I will tell you about the five-bed flat for sale at 75 million and wait till you discover what Gemma Collins... I don't know, classic example, open your big mouth and out comes absolute garbage. And this time, I think she's kind of pushed it a little bit too far. I'm calling for a suspension... Uh, over a lot of very deep water, ladies and gentlemen. Quarter past four. Nick Ferrari and the team at seven as Sol Campbell announces his intention to join the race for London Mayor. The man who currently holds the position joins Nick for a round of Ask Boris. And after the announcement that Oscar Pistorius is set to be released in August, just ten months after incarceration, Nick will be asking, is it too soon? Plus the number of dangerous dog attacks in London has gone up 50% in the last 12 months. What can be done with these breeds? Nick and the team from seven after the morning news with Lisa Aziz looking at the papers today. Oliver Duff, the editor of the iNewspaper, will be in the studio. Now, Yesterday, 
there was a feature in, I think it was the mail, I'm pretty certain it was the mail, and they were looking at the amount of sandwiches that we eat every day, because that's the accepted fast food nowadays. I know people go out and they have pizzas, and I know you might go out, but the majority of people go into all the supermarkets and you pick up a sandwich. And to be honest with you, I don't know how I thought sandwiches were made. I assume they might have been made on a machine, which of course was incredibly naive and so dumb of me that I almost take it back and slap myself around the face. No, they're made in a factory. Uh, In fact, most of the sandwiches, millions, are made in this particular um, factory, which is in Nottingham. Green Court make them. And the one thing that horrified me was watching people make these sandwiches with no plastic gloves on. Nobody is wearing plastic gloves. So they're handling raw food in your sandwich and pushing it down with their bare hands. In fact, we've got pictures of them pushing it down with their bare hands. And I said, to be honest with you, I'm not going to buy another sandwich again. I mean, and these are the ones for the supermarkets. Imagine if you're, if you're buying them in a garage or a corner shop where they're coming from. The answer is they're probably coming from less hygienic places. So I've always said to people, don't ever buy a sandwich from a garage or a corner shop. Seriously. Unless it's a garage that's got a Marks and Spencers. But then watching the way they make their sandwiches, I'm truly worried. Truly worried. Although they do talk about, you know, forget about the bare hands which I think is bad. I mean, these people might have scratched their nose, scratched their bottom, might have done anything. And whatever it is, I just don't like it. It just looks dirty. Dirty, dirty, dirty. I'm really funny about things like that. I've become quite sort of bad about it. I won't go into a sandwich shop if they're not wearing gloves to make sandwiches. Seriously, picking up raw food and in the sandwich factory, they're just, everything's being handled. And of course, you have to ask yourself the question, if these sandwiches have got like two days sell-by date on them, What sort of bread are they using? Normal fresh bread would have gone rock hard in about a day and a half. Proper bread. If it's pumped full of all sorts of ingredients, well, then you've got a big problem. The other thing that they save on is proper mayonnaise. They make their own and it's all bulked up. Uh, And there are other things as well. Uh, One here. A Marks and Spencer's Cornish Brie and Applewood Oak Smoked Bacon Sandwich. Doesn't that sound fantastic? Cornish brie and applewood oak smoked bacon. I mean, it sounds delicious. That has got 39 grams of fat in it, 57% of your daily intake, 16.6 grams of sugar, and the number of calories comes to an incredible, for the Marks and Spencer's Cornish brie and applewood oak smoked bacon sandwich, 715. That is more than a McDonald's Big Mac, which has got 508. I mean, it's just... There are 900... Types of sandwiches that they make. 900 types of sandwiches. I mean, it's, it is dreadful, isn't it? You go in there. I see people, you know, going in to buy sandwiches. I mean, there's a high calorie content. A Tesco cheese and onion brown bread sandwich weighing in just under 200 grams contains 505 calories. That's nearly a third of the recommended. And that's just cheese and onion. And I bet most of you have probably thought, oh, cheese and onion. That's not very fattening, is it? You're kidding you're kidding. So forget about the filth of the people's hands and the worrying fact that uh, 90% of these people are not wearing gloves. In fact, actually, almost 99% of people are not wearing gloves in this factory. And they're going around touching it with their... Ugh, just, just, just disgusting. You sweat through your hands. God knows what diseases are being... Small wonder we become ill. I'm never going to eat another sandwich again, I've decided. That's a fib. Of course I will be eating another sandwich again. I'm just going to kind of be a bit more careful. I might actually buy the stuff myself, but if that's how they make sandwiches... What about the rest of the stuff that comes in the shops? I don't know. I'm sure unless you actually do it yourself, you're never going never gonna to sort of be completely satisfied. Lots of stories in the paper today. As every time she goes into meltdown, they have to do a story on, you know, the drunkenness of Kate Moss and her mid-air meltdown. And, you know, we all saw her on her 40th birthday. She's an old soak. 
But that doesn't, doesn't make any difference. She can do what she wants. I couldn't care less. Not, not my business to start dictating. Uh, she abused the pilot flew home, flew, as she flew home from a detox. And she was swigging vodka from her bag. And then they ran out of sandwiches. And then she's going, uh, you know, drunken old bag that she is. And that's it. But I couldn't care less. I'd have opened the door and shoved her out. You know, <laughs> wouldn't have cared. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the good news is Kate Moss has left the plane. Thank you very much indeed. Why would you worry about things like that? Why would you worry about it? If she wants to drink herself into oblivion, that's her business. Nothing to do with us. We just sort of sit back and go, God, she's earning all that money. And uh, she still can't look after herself. Because the older you get, you know, the older you get, the worse you, you become, actually. The worse you become, because you can't handle drink as well as other people. And uh, I've discovered, you know, the older I get. I, the funny thing is, I'm actually a, a, quite a happy little drunk. Very happy. I just generally want to go to sleep. I can't be bothered to do anything at all. I mean, I have tediously long phone conversations after a few glasses. Tediously long. Even by my standards, I'll put the phone down and look at the phone. I've used up about 70% of the battery life because it just goes on and on and on and on. So so that, that's the only problem. She obviously starts abusing people. So she had this midair meltdown. And as I say, I don't know why we're even bothering with her. You know, so she, she walks up and down, she wears people's clothes and uh, and she's got odd friends because they're probably all like her. You know, I don't know what she does in her private life. She could snort half a Columbia as far as I'm concerned. I don't care. Really don't care. I, I care when, you know, when she starts shouting abuse at the pilot. You know, when she didn't even know who the pilot was. Mind you, it's nothing new. Elton John did it the other day. He was on a, he was on a, a concert gig and he was in uh, Gloucester, the millionaire's playground of Gloucester. And... He um, he reduced one of the guards there because he did a four four word abuse thing at her, and he said the fans had been banned from waving their arms, which, uh, which I've never heard of before. I've, I didn't know there was a ban on waving your arms at a concert. So anyway, uh, he sort of started shouting, "This is not effing China." I don't, perhaps they're not allowed to wave their hands in China either. Anyway, after one female steward walked off in tears, he called her to the stage and gave her a kiss before singing Goodbye Yellow Brick Road while she sat next to him at his piano stool. And uh, because the, the, the tirade, he said, you know, stewards down there, especially woman in the ponytail, effing lighten up, will you? According to ITV News, he then said if they want to put their hands in the air, let them. This is not effing China, so pee off. You've got a effing uniform on and you think you're Hitler and you're not. I mean, so it went on. It's not the first time that uh, Queen Elton has had one of his uh, one of his tantrums. He had the famous one in, uh, was it Tantrums and Tiaras, where somebody stared at him while he was playing tennis. I think in the south of France he has a villa uh, over there and people have to walk past and see him playing tennis. And so he threw his racket down and had the, had the, the mother, of all, uh, mother of all tantrums because he didn't want to be stared at. But uh, anyway... He did apologise, and then he got a huge round of applause. He went, yeah, which is fantastic. But, but you get mixed response from the Elton fans. Some people tweeting, Elton John stuck up for the crowds. And then somebody else said, you know, he may be famous, but I don't think he's ever been a nice person. Well, he, he, he does swear a lot. I mean, he's an old man, for goodness sake. He's over... I don't know how old he is, actually. What is he, 66? 68! Good God. 68, you're entitled to swear. But he obviously thought, you know, people have come here, if they want to put their hands in the air, put your hands in the air. It's like, you know, doing a concert. You can't jump up and down. Why not? That's what people want to do, isn't it? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, we shall weave everything in on the programme this morning. Uh, there was also, the, the Daily Mail seemed to love these uh, things about food today. And you know that there is a gastropub hog roast pie now. So for all those people who like hog roast, you can actually take it 
home. Taste the difference. Hog roast sausage rolls. I think you get these from Sainsbury's. Handcrafted hog roast sausage roll. It looks quite nice, actually. I'm going to a barbecue next week. I'm not wild about barbecues, as you know. But this one, I think, is going to have, um, it's going to have a hog roast. So that's OK. I mean, I can, I can probably just about cope with that. And then the person said, perhaps I should get a sheep as well. I thought, really? I thought, two hog roasts? I think that's pushing it a little bit. So I'm hoping it'll just be quite normal. But I'm, I'm not a fan of, of barbecues. I can, quite, I can live without them, believe you me. Tomato juice apparently can ease the menopause. So that's good news. And there was something else they were saying, actually. Oh, yes, if you want to sort of uh, calm yourself down, classical music, apparently, is the, is the way forward. I've always thought that, actually. I've always thought classical music was sort of the thing that, if you're, if you're feeling particularly stressed then classical music will be the thing that can sort of bring you back down to earth again. More on the uh, ex-England star's family suffering from twic- uh, sick Twitter abuse. And uh, this is Phil Neville's wife, Julie. I mean, can you believe that there is actually somebody thick in this country, mentally ill, quite clearly, who would send death threats to this disabled girl? And to, to Phil Neville's wife, Julie, I've seen him getting on the tour bus. I'm going to come round and rape you. Well, I mean, this this person should be arrested immediately. I think we need to have to name and shame their picture. You know, far from putting pictures of the Nevilles on the front page, let's put a picture of their troll on there. You can find them easily. The police know that they can find them. And so let's see them up in court. Let's see them in there. You know, the last woman who did this was doorstep by Sky. And um, she obviously was so horrified, but of course, by her filth and actions, she targeted the McCanns, if you remember. And she sent them hundreds. It's always the people that you least suspect, isn't it? It's always the people, you know, they go, especially in that woman's case, they went, oh, she's a committed Christian. Quite clearly, she was a barking, mad, nasty little troll. And uh, she took her own life. And uh, a lot of people said, good, well, at least they've taken her out of the equation. You know, I'm not necessarily saying it's good she did that, but quite clearly she must have some sort of illness. Why would you want to target the McCanns? I can't quite understand why anybody would ever do that. Why would anybody ever do that? It just, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Any sense at all. But they do do it. And so you've got um, Phil and Julie Neville. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely appalling. It now carries the two-year prison sentence. Personally, I think it should be ten years, and I think they should be beaten up in prison. Sol Campbell wants to be London's mayor. With what, uh, with what qualifications? We've got no idea. I don't think there's any qualifications. Apparently, he, he, uh, he actually came up yesterday with that classic line that he's from a working-class family. I heard that, uh, somebody talking to Darren Adam earlier on from Tottenham, coming up with that age-old, boring line, you know, I'm working-class. We're all blooming working-class. Everybody's working-class, unless you remember the upper classes, and you're in the royal family. We all work for a living. And I've never heard so much drivel. Why do they think that working-class is something sort of derogatory? We're working-class. I want to give something back, you know, for the people. Oh, grow up, for God's sake. It sounded so stupid. But, of course... um, uh, Sol Campbell said said he would bring something new to the table. What? What could he possibly bring to the table? This is the man who was branded a traitor when he walked out on Tottenham Hotspur for Arsenal. I think that'll count against him in the vote. I don't think he'll get any... I'd like to see, actually, what, what the voting is at the end of all this. All these different... Pit- George Galloway's put his hat in the ring. But there again, he's, he hasn't really succeeded in very much else, has he? Crawled about like a dog or something in, in Big Brother and then did a few other little bits and pieces. And apart from that, you know, very good at popping up and sort of shouting the odds, but not actually very good at doing anything, which is a bit of a shame. So not sure we want him in London. Thank you very much indeed. It's uh, 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's Tuesday, the 9th of June. Scott uh, 
Woke up, couldn't get back to sleep, so he's downloading. Actually, I think all the... Uh, we had a trouble with the, with the downloads the other day. There was something the matter with the computer and it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. But I think we should be up to date with all the downloads. I think everything's done. I think the, uh, the in-conversations are up there as well, I think. We're not too sure about that one. Are they all up there? We think, we think they're all up there. Yeah, we, we believe they're all up there. If they're not, just let us know and I'll get them sorted out later on today. Uh, Danny says, thank God for the Steve Allen Show. I need a bit of common sense. I don't think it's common sense this morning. I think I need a bit of classical music, to be honest with you. And I can't remember the name of the book about The Undertaker. Somebody else might have to help me. This was the one that featured in the paper the other week. He's the man who embalmed Marilyn Monroe. And uh, also, I think, uh, Karen Carpenter as well. Ursula is in Bali listening. And she says, we're seven hours ahead. It's also very hot. You'd hate it. It's amazing how quickly people realise that Steve Allen and, and Heat... Do not go well together. I cannot bear heat. I, I seriously can't bear it. Every time they say, oh, we're in for a heat wave this week, my heart drops. I think it, sort of, it just affects the diabetes. It affects all sorts of strange things. So here it is. This is uh, there's always a, a good story in the paper about property, just to make you feel that you're very poor. And on a day that there's £81 million on the Euro Millions, even that will not be enough to get you this flat. Uh, it's a five-bedroom flat. Uh, they say it's the most expensive ever. They obviously can't flog it. That's why they've had to do a feature in the paper. Because this block, which is uh, one Hyde Park, has been sitting there for, for years now. It used to be a very old 70s block. And then the Candy Brothers knocked it down. And uh, they say it's the globe's most expensive block. But to be honest with you, most of it looks empty to me. And I drive past it in the early hours of the morning. Every single day, we drive past one Hyde Park. It's linked into the Mandarin Oriental. And... Um, they're always sort of talking about it, but yet secretly they sort of, oh, we can't talk about it. I think the service charges are so prohibitive. You know, I think overseas visitors are welcome to it because in London, if you can't do better for 75 million, you ain't trying. You know, I could get you, this is a five bed flat for sale at 75 million. I could take you down to Piccadilly and for 35 million, get you a much better place, bigger with much more prestige. There's no prestige in this block at all. Why would you want to be known as living in a block where... And and I'll I'll read you some of the story, because it's quite interesting. They says, um, it's said to be the dearest flat ever on the open market. It's in one of the world's most desirable blocks. I don't think there's anything desirable. It's at the end. It's opposite Scotch Corner. It's at the end. I mean, it's just, you know, what is it? It's a block of flats next to the Mandarin Oriental. This stretches the entire floor. The hallway is 165 feet long. That's the length of the flat. In fact, you can stand in front of it and you can see how it's, how it's laid out um, with a spine. It says it's uh, described as one of the capital's best views. It boasts views across Knightsbridge. <laughs> what in God's name do you want to look across Knightsbridge for? What, to watch a lot of people shopping? How exciting is that? God, for 75 million, you could go and buy Lincolnshire. They say it's got um, the living and entertainment space looks over Hyde Park. In other words, it goes from the front to the back. Okay, that's why it's 165 feet long. They say there's also a further 9 million in stamp duty to pay. It's very funny. They say it's a notoriously secretive block. No, it's not. That's why it's in the papers today. Nothing secretive about one Hyde Park. I love the way they over-egg the pudding, don't you? And the uh, the estate agent Savills, nobody from there would discuss, discuss it. Of course they'll bloody well discuss it. They're an estate agent. I'm sorry, would you like to discuss this? So, yeah, I couldn't possibly talk about it. It's a secretive block. Why is it secretive? Just a block of flats, isn't it? Which are unusually highly priced for what they are. Buying agent Henry Pryor described it as a trophy home bought by somebody unlikely to care about the price. Well, well so in other words, loads of money, but no sense. 
God. These people buy property as they buy cars or watches. Well, quite clearly not. This block's been up for years. Years. One high part built by the Candy Brothers is the globe's most expensive block. No, it's not. Good God, there's far more exclusive places. Last year, a penthouse flat there sold for £140 million in a private deal. In other words, I think that they're trying to make it sound exciting. Didn't they have a one-bedroom flat here for £10 million? And we all laughed because the service charge was about 35 grand a year. Who wants to li- live in a miserable block like that? I've been past it both ends. And it just looks like a dull foyer. It's very pretty if you like that kind of thing, but it appeals to people from overseas. Nobody from this country would want anything there. Why would you want? 75 million quid. God, you could buy a super-duper deluxe place in Mayfair with roof terrace and swimming pool and get it in under half that price. Half that price. I love the idea that nobody from Savills would comment on this secretive block. Make it sound like MI6. It's a block of flats, OK, people? Block of flats. That's all it is. It might have somebody in there who's got £75 million to spend on it, but frankly, there must be a dodo. You can get much better in London for £75 million. Take my word for it. Talking of dodos, here she is. Fatter than ever and as thick as a brick still. Yes, Gemma Collins, ladies and gentlemen. Here she is, the world's most unadventurous, thickest person. She is so dim, it's really embarrassing. Poor fat bird opens her mouth and what comes out? Garbage. Utter garbage. And this time round, this time round, she's spoken out in support of Dan Osborne. You remember thug Dan Osborne, don't you? Oh, yes, you do. Because Dan Osborne was dropped from anyways Essex because he's a, he's a thug. He's a nasty little piece of work. He uh, ranted at his ex, Megan Tomlin, who is the mother of uh, one of his children. He has another one with, uh, with another part-time girlfriend. And, uh, and he gave her death threats. I'm going to stick a knife in you and all this kind of stuff. And it was played back. The son had a good go. And, uh, and now, stupid Gemma, who really is so... I mean, she's so thick, you know. I mean, frankly, I don't really know what you can do with her. You can't believe that somebody is this, this dumb. She says, wait, wait for this. Her friend deserves another chance on the reality show because death threats are normal in Essex. What? What? Dan was axed after this recording emerged of him shouting verbal abuse at Megan, mum to his son, Teddy... He's a nasty piece of work, he really is. In one clip, he warns Megan he'll stick a knife in her if she has sex with another man. That's how revolting he is. Gemma says, wait for this, 34 but mental age of about seven, I think. People say things in temper. That's what all the Essex boys say to their girlfriends. What? Death threats, yeah, that's Essex boys for you. I've had boyfriends say to me if I ever leave them, they will kill me. In Essex, it's a normal thing. What? She added, he was never going to kill her, and I think he deserves to make a comeback to the show. What? You stupid bag! What's the matter with you? She says, it's no secret we earn £150 a day on TOWIE. Still, it's not a bad thing, because it's given us a platform, and we'll never take it for granted. So that's what they're promoting on TOWIE now, is it? Death threats. That's Essex boys. They always say things like that. You know, they just make death threats against you. People have said it to me. Have they really, darling? Have they really? So the next time your boyfriend sort of makes claims against you and you go bleating to the papers like you did last time, we do remember, don't we? We do remember. After you had a big bust up. Oh, I've had a big bust up my boyfriend again. You are so thick, I tell you. I can only hope somebody runs you over with a combine harvester that we can sort of bring in the sheaves. Have you never heard anything so stupid? 
You thicko, honestly. You just make yourself sound even more stupid. Destined to sit on that shelf in the corner, Gemma, and spray yourself with cobwebs, won't you, really? How old is she? 73? 34? God, how to be that dumb and, and, and still 34? Unbelievable, love. I don't hold out any hope for you whatsoever. But my new boyfriend, we're now known as the Victoria Beckham and David Beckham of Marbella. No, you're not. You're known as that thick, fat bird who's got no sense whatsoever. Five suspects held by the police. They were traffickers. They were trying to hide on this uh, ship the other day that went out. This is uh, HMS Bulwark and picked up these people and they found the people who trafficked them. And uh, they've ringed them on the actual ship. They thought that they, they could hide, but they can't. And they've been arrested by the police, which is good news, isn't it? We like that, that kind of thing. Thank God they're not coming here. They've dumped them off in Italy. Italy will be bringing in laws very, very soon. You wait to try and get rid of all these people. We don't want any more people. We really don't. And, uh, and as everybody's advised, Mr Cameron here in the country, we don't mind people coming here, but we're not going to give them benefits. OK, no house, no benefits, no nothing. You work. OK, if you don't work, no money. Simple as that. It's very straightforward. I don't know why it's complicated. Or it says, my mum suffers from Alzheimer's. If Lord Janna can't stand trial, civil charges should be brought against him because he won't live very long. His victims might be able to benefit from his estate. I think he's transferred it into the, uh, into the kids' names. I, I, I might be speaking out of school, but I think the house is transferred to the, uh, to the kids. I th- I'm pretty certain. I think that's what they, they've done. They've already, already arranged that. So I don't think there's any, any money to be had. And you're right, he's 86. He's not going to live very much longer, I wouldn't have thought. And, of course, then it'll just be another historical case and people will be saying, as they've said about Leon Britton, as they've said about uh, all the other MPs. I mean, I'm, I'm, I seriously, I did speak to a policeman friend of mine. I think I told you a few weeks ago. And I did say to him, do you think it's possible... Do you think it's remotely possible that, that there could have been a paedophile ring operating within Westminster? And he said, yes, I think it's possible that there could have been a paedophile ring operating within Westminster. I said, it's unbelievable, isn't it? People in the highest seat of power can actually be involved in something like this. You've heard the documentary that LBC's Tom Swarbrick has put together about this, this young lad who they say was murdered by a paedophile ring. I mean, you just, I mean, it's 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 so fantastic. You just can't get your head around it. And you look at people like Greville Janner, and now there is the story on the front of the of the Daily Mail today, talking about uh, a boy who was taken on a trip to Scotland twenty four years ago and abused. And now I still I still ask the question, and I've asked it, you know, since God created heaven and earth. Why do these things take such a long time? You know, something that happened twenty four years ago. Why is somebody Nadine Dorries? was writing a series of books talking about childhood abuse, and she claims in one of them that she was abused. The man who she claimed abused her is dead. His widow is still alive. And, of course, nobody can prove anything. You can't prove anything. You just make an allegation, and the widow goes, what? What? What's going on here? And you think, why did it take so long for this to come out? Why, why did people not say something at the time? In the case of this boy, something was said years and years ago, and the police have apparently got it on record. Maybe something will happen, maybe something won't. Is there a giant cover-up in Westminster? I don't know. I've got no idea, but I just know that there's more and more MPs' names that seem to come into the frame. I mean, the Lord Janner one, to be quite honest with you, I'd heard years ago in Fleet Street, years ago. And a few other people. What have they got, I think, going back to the 1930s? The police said, now investigating this Isle of Man children's home. And they reckon there are 13 celebrities who would have to be, if this was so many years ago, uh, they'd have to be in their 80s by now. 
their 80s. I mean, I'm still getting over the shock of Rolf Harris and all these other people, people that you kind of grew up with, and then it turns out that they were doing things with little girls, and you think, honestly, it must have been rife. Absolute rife if there was a cover-up in Westminster. If Greville Janner's 86, some of these other people must be well advanced in years. But no doubt the names will emerge, as they say. 14 to 5. Steve Allen on LBC. 12 minutes to 5, Tuesday the 9th of June. I'm so excited today. Uh, A, because I don't have any interviews to do, because I did two yesterday. We did uh, Richard E. Grant who's got a new film out called For Queen and Country. It's the follow-up to Hope and Glory, which came out in 87. This is the, uh, this is the sequel, but we talked about everything. We talked about his excellent series on uh, the hotels around the world, which has not been recommissioned because the commissioning editor has gone from Sky, which is a shame because it was fantastic. And uh, we always have a laugh. We did, we did laugh a lot, actually, especially when I say... We always, the, the, the producer, always just to get a bit of level, they say, oh, what did you have? They always ask the same question. What did you have for breakfast? So they sit here, and of course he hasn't got his headphones on, so he doesn't hear the producer saying, so what did you have for breakfast? So I said to the producer, Chris, I said, he can't hear you. He said, ask him what he had for breakfast. So I said, what did you have for breakfast? So he said, he thought about it, and he went, I had some, um, what did he say it was? It wasn't pureed, it was strained apple and a glass of water. That's what he had for breakfast. And of course, he eats Christmas pudding every month. Richard E. Grant loves Christmas pudding. Now, I thought that there wasn't a Christmas pudding in existence that didn't have booze in it. But he doesn't drink booze. He is teetotal. It affects him. But we, had, we, were, we did laugh a lot. We, every time we, we get together now, we have a laugh because he lives down the road from me. But, of course, I'm not half as posh as he is. He's in a much nicer, ni- much nicer place. He's in Richmond. I'm in, I'm in Twickenham. And so we did him. And then we had to sort of rush. I'd say, love you, love you, love you. Off you go. He was then going off to do loads of other interviews. And I went to do Simon Pegg from Shaun of the Dead. And he's also writing the new Star Trek film. Uh, so he's, he's a very busy boy. And he's, he's top star. He's top star. You know, we, we're getting some, some super names. And I was dreading talking to him. And the reason I was dreading talking to him is because I've never seen Shaun of the Dead. I didn't even know what it was. They had to explain to me in the office what it is. So I can always do a good interview with somebody because I just throw it over to them. And, uh, and most people play ball. Most people take the ball that I've thrown and, and they run with it. And he was exactly the same because I was thinking, I had, because he'd done an interview before me, which was supposed to be five minutes and went on for 20. And it was a really good interview. And I thought, oh, God, he's going to be so exhausted by the time he gets to my interview. But he turned out to be an absolute joy. I mean, seriously, an absolute joy. Polite, charming, witty, everything. And we talked about his latest film, Absolutely Everything. And, of course, it's the last film that Robin Williams features in uh, as the voice of a dog. Um, But they never meet. And I don't think, I'm pretty certain he said he'd never met Robin Williams. And we were talking about, you know, the depression that he suffered it was it was very interesting, but he never got to meet anybody because they were just the voices. They go into a booth. Do you remember Steve Carroll? He came in, and when he did Despicable Me, I said, did you meet all the other people? He said, no. He said, I'm just going into a booth and lay down my voice track, and then they lay all the other ones down. So you never get to see anybody until it, until it sort of gets around to the premiere. So yesterday was very, very good, so I was very pleased about that. Today, they then send me a thing yesterday. Uh, John, my friend, says, hanging baskets today. And there's ten arriving, ten hanging baskets, six flower baskets and four 
strawberry in baskets. So I'm quite looking forward to that. So that's the, high, that's the highlight of the day today. So it's, it's going to go quite well. And then I think we've got another interview tomorrow. And then this weekend I'm going off to the theatre to see Gypsy. And then I was having one of my sort of long... I told you, when, I, when I've had two glasses of Prosecco, I ramble for hours. And a friend of mine, Jez, was, uh, he was very tired. He's at that age. You know, he, he refuses to accept that he's sort of approaching middle age, if not just hinted the other side of it. And uh, he was saying how tired he was. Then he printed, uh, he sent me a photograph of his shower gel, Radox. Radox Awake. And because I'd given him some nice shower gel, no particular reason for it. I just said, you need to try this Penhaligon shower gel. It's really nice. And so he tweeted a picture of his Radox yesterday. And I went, where's my shower gel? And he said, I'm, I'm saving it. He said, uh, expect a review tomorrow. And it's, it's a nice Penhaligon's one. You know, it really is. And I think this is Blenheim Bouquet. And, you know, if you're used to Radox, this is going to be sort of the Rolls Royce of shower gels. <laughs> and he throws all the packaging away. He doesn't keep any of the packaging. And it's really nice packaging. And then my other friend, Ian, uh, was going out for a lunch yesterday with a member of Motley Crew. Now, luckily, I'd heard of Motley Crew. <laughs> and I said, so I always, I always nip in and see him because he, he does another show on another station. And uh, starting at 10. So I said, what are you doing today? So I'm going for lunch with this guy from Motley Crew. He said, and I'm going to do um, this quiz. It's a quiz thing about rock music. So I said, oh, great. So I said, how did it go? He said, the lunch was great. He said, I got the wrong, wrong day for the conference. He said, so I went all the way to Shoreditch to find my panellist tomorrow. <laughs> Everything's going on in Shoreditch recently. Everything going on. And then my friend Elliot told me some really good showbiz gossip and then and then got panicky about it and said, you, you, you won't say anything, will you, about it? So I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Chance to be a fine thing. Chance to be a fine thing. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Gideon says, hilarious stuff on uh, hashtag Gemma Collins. Somebody you could bring home to mum. Yeah, in a tow truck with a double reinforced suspension. I mean, she is so stupid. To be honest with you, uh, Towie have had to distance themselves from her, from her comments. And as far as I'm concerned, I think that means you've got to get rid of her now. And then she would disappear without trace. Take some time, you know, to actually physically get rid of her. But I'm sure we could manage it. Because you don't want people like that talking about this. A man who makes death threats and she goes, yeah, that's the way in Essex. All people do that. No, they don't, stupid girl. I mean, you really are dumb, aren't you? God, I mean, I'll tell you. It's just, you almost look at her and you feel pity, don't you? You feel pity that she's that stupid. But this is the one who I don't think... She'd never voted, had she? And small wonder, she probably didn't understand. Wait, well, put a cross. Oh, right, is that like a kiss? Yes, dear, it's like a kiss. <laughs> God, I mean, Rich, you despair, don't you? I mean, you just sort of give up, don't you? Uh, 84850, Anne is in Lewisham Hospital. She said, I remember in the 70s being rumours about a huge paedophile ring involving lots of celebrities, but it was dismissed. Well, I mean, it's, it's all resurfacing now, whether or not it's in, you know, Westminster or where it's, whether or not it's in show business. We know that Jimmy Savile had all sorts of friends who he went on to the programme, who came on the programme with him under the guise of being experts in different fields, and it turns out that they had history as well involving children. And I've always said to you, and I always want to know where that girl is. And I'm sure the papers will, would love to pick up on it. The only fix-it he ever went on was with a little girl floating in the Dead Sea. She wanted to go and see what it was like floating in, in water where you couldn't sink because there was so much salt in it. And he went with her. And there's a picture of him on the beach, you know, one of the big fat cigar kind of thing. And then he, he bobbed around in the water with her a few times. And she can't have been any more than about 11 or 12. Can't have been. You know, where is that girl now? That's, that's the big question that you have to ask. Uh, other stories, Oscar Pistorius could be out by August. He's only served about ten months, hasn't he? 
have a very strange system abroad, very strange system abroad. And um, and the driving licence revamp, which we told you about yesterday, and I did talk people through it, and I did try and make it as simple as possible. And apparently so many of you took us up on it that, uh, that the whole site crashed. And uh, they got into the most terrible trouble. And they said, well, 20,000 people managed to get through. Of course, there was thousands more didn't manage to do it. Uh, also... Uh, glamour model, not really glamorous at all now, actually, looking like the oldest turkey in the shop. This is uh, Katie Price, who apparently they've heard, the 3am column, that she had a lookalike during filming for a new quirky advert. So the National Lottery, that's the best she can get now. She can't get anything else. Nobody's booking her. Nobody's interested. She gets a drag programme and she hates drag because she looks so much like them. And um, she apparently has been uh, doubled by uh, a Lithuanian-born ex-dancer. Because, uh, you know, because the pricey, always righty, not really. The pricey is always really unattractive. And so uh, Kate has been enjoying getting into fancy dress. Oh, sorry, proper fancy dress, as opposed to the normal clothes she wears, which are fairly fancy dress, aren't they? So that's the best she can get, really. Ian Highland, we absolutely adore. I love Ian Highland. Um, he does send a, a secret message, and we'll re-endorse the message. He says, a well-meaning request for Corrie's Sean Tully, Anthony Cotton. He says, any chance... He says, you could at least try to avoid bringing every conversation round to the fact you're gay, Sean. A, it's very boring, and B, a bit preachy. Yes, because he is gay, and he's playing gay in Corrie. There is no difference between the two characters at all. It's exactly the same person. They look exactly the same. They behave exactly the same. I love the way they sort of try and make out that it, it's, it's a different person. He's an actor. No, 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 he's, he's gay, and he's playing gay. It's as simple as that. It's not too complicated, is it? Most people can understand that. And I did like the other bit. What was the other bit I liked? Where he... Um, oh, that's right. You might better help me out on this one. He said, that uh, Sunday night lineup in full. Sarah Pascoe on Celebrity Squares, followed by Sarah Pascoe on Sunday night at the Palladium, followed by Sarah Pascoe on Channel 4's Comedy Gala. Some of you may be wondering who Sarah Pascoe is. The rest of you will be wondering what naughty secrets her agent knows about the TV bookers. Yes. I mean, who is she? Sarah Pascoe. I've never even heard of her. I'm looking at a picture of her. I'm none the wiser. But three times, dear. Overkill. Complete overkill. And uh, what were they tweeting the other day? Tampons. Have you seen this? There was something about tampons the other day. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I've got no end of people that I know doing it from uh, all sorts of different um, agencies and people who used to work here. And they were doing this thing on tampons and I can't remember what it was I really can't remember but it's it just there were literally hundreds went on and on and on and on and I didn't and I didn't really know anything about it LBC asking the question yesterday Nadine Doris speaking speaking out against child abuse against her why it takes victims so long to come forward uh, she is selling books incidentally I think that's what it comes down to she's selling books and so she talked about it before and uh, and now all of a sudden it's uh, it's something that occurred in her life she said well, there you go. Uh, other stories which are in the papers today will come around to in a moment, including the breast cancer blocker, the scientists who found a way to stop the disease spreading. Now, that has to be extremely good news. And we will continue talking about Kate Mess, the jet booze binge after a five-day detox, which didn't actually end in any arrests. Coming up, news at five o'clock. Uh, Simon Cowell offers Rita Ora one and a half million is pulling all the stops out to get her to sign so she can be a judge on the X Factor. Uh, the driving licence revamp bringing car hire chaos. Bart Simpson going to be killed off. Yeah, there is a twist to it. It's, it's not as dramatic as you think it is. X Factor, Ella's dad on fraud rap. 
Forget about bare hands in factory. What's truly worrying about shop sarnies? I thought the bare hands was bad enough. Uh, Lady Gaga's night out with Prince Harry. Oh, it's been about three days since we had a picture of Prince Harry doing something, and of course it's for charity, and it wasn't actually Lady Gaga, it was her model, I think, in Madame Tussauds. And after 40 years, a florist finds out she's allergic to flowers. After 40 years! Probably wondered what it was. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Tuesday, the 9th of uh, June. Kate Mess. They've now got pictures of her coming off this jet so she'd had a drink. She was abusive. That was the bad side. Having the drink is not really a problem. But did she get drunk on the plane or off the plane and they let her on it? Either way, she shouldn't have been on an aircraft, should she? Rowan uh, Atkinson has driven off with £8 million for his prize McLaren Formula One car. The traffickers hiding amongst the migrants on the Navy ship. Uh, also, the most romantic story you'll ever hear. Oh, and John Prescott gets a speeding ban from two Jags to no Jags. He's been taken over the 12 points. He's a nasty little piece of work, isn't he? Fancy preaching to us about how to get things right. And there's him with 12 points on his licence. Outrageous. Or oh, the roller coaster victim. On the, uh, the day the park opens, she has to have a leg amputated. They've said they're going to pay compensation. Uh, I'm yet to find out, and I'm sure that we will eventually, what exactly was the problem with that roller coaster at Alton Towers. And it did prompt the question the other day, if you were queuing up at Alton Towers, would you be happy to get on that roller coaster ride? And the answer is yes. I say that with some hesitation, because I'm not too sure if I would, actually, if, it, if push came to shove. But that thing had been running for, for ages, and they hadn't had any. She was in the first car. Now, whether or not the first car was the one that caused it and got the most damage, I don't know. It did smash into the other one, and that was why. So they've had to amputate her leg, poor soul. But uh, the Daily Star have leapt on the bandwagon. They managed to find a picture of her taken with Joey Essex. So, of course, the next thing is Joey Essex sends her a bouquet of flowers, I should imagine. There'll be some sort of tie-in. But there is a romantic story in the paper today, and it's of uh, Thomas Howard. And uh, Thomas Howard... let, Let me give you the story. Ten years before the outbreak of the Second World War, Adolf Hitler hadn't yet started to rule Germany. But 1931 means much more to Thomas Howard than huge events soon to shape history. It was then, 84 years ago, that the nine-year-old fell in love. Thomas sent seven-year-old Irene a birthday card to make his intentions clear, and they've been inseparable ever since. Yes, believe it or not... 84 years later, they are still together. They have just celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary. They've got a few tips for a happy and very long married life. They scoff at the idea that any marriage can be all sweetness and light. Thomas, who's 93, says, Couples who say they never argue, I don't believe it. You need to disagree every now and then. We certainly do. Because I think a disagreement's very good. I'm all in favour of a good row. Oh, I love a good row every so often. I really do. Sometimes it makes you feel a bit better. It pumps the blood through the system. And you can have a really good row, and then you can kill somebody. And then you go to prison, and then they write a book about you and all the rest of it. So it's generally quite good. So they they row, not on a regular basis, but he said, but we do row. He says, "Um, I used to shout for her brother, Frank. And uh, her mother came out one day and said, it's Irene you want. When I saw her, I knew I had to have her. This is when he was nine and she was seven. He said, we began courting when she was seven. The playmates were devoted. Thomas treasures the card he gave Irene when they met, saying, happy birthday, love, Thomas. 
But uh, war parted them. Thomas joined the army. Irene worked in a mill. With conflict in Europe over, he headed straight to her door to discover Irene had become temporarily blind at 91. He said, she couldn't see me, but I told her, from now, we're together forever. Six months later, her sight returned. And on June the 2nd, 1945, they wed in Preston. They now live in nearby Longton. They've got no children. Thomas says nothing could keep us apart. We thought the world of each other and still do. I'm just chuffed. I got the girl I wanted. I just said to her, here's to the next 70 years. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that nice? They're still t- you can't help feeling there's a bit of a disaster around the corner, though, can't you? <laughs> if they're sort of that age now. So he's, he's 93 and she's 90. One. I think that's really sweet, though. And there's a picture of them in the paper. And, um, you know, goodness sake, they've, they, you know, they did, I know people who are not quite as old as them, but certainly quite close. And, um, and they are devoted. You know, of course you've got to have rows. What a pitiful world. Stop using that word. But what, what a sort of disgraceful world it would be if you didn't have a row every so often. It always clears the air. They always say never, never go to bed with somebody if you're having an argument. Always clear it up before you go to bed. Makes the sex a bit better. Not that it makes any difference to me and Teddy, but, you know, I might sort of make an effort in that, uh, that particular department. Somebody wants to know when my dinner date is happening with Gemma Collins. Now, you should know by now that I never go out with Z-list celebrities. Even though a couple of them have tried. Oh, would you like to come out for dinner with me? No, I wouldn't. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Ian Highland in his column today, talking about um, Joe Swash, who is inquiring as to whether or not he could go back to EastEnders. The answer is no, you can't. There's more chance of Wellard turning up as the new barmaid than, uh, than you going back there. Thank you very much indeed. And then Ian says, My thoughts on the dog controversy that engulfed Britain's Got Talent. Whilst I was away on my impeccably timed holiday, it was hardly the first time a Simon Cowell talent show has featured a frisky performer with unbelievably glossy hair who needed a little help with the difficult bits. Or have we all forgotten about Cheryl and the auto-tune row? <laughs> <laughs> poor old Cheryl, poor old Cheryl. Last, I, think she, I think she's given up on, on the pop world now. I think it's probably advisable. I think it's probably advisable. There's a number of people I do keep advising about not going into the pop world for the, for the simple reason that it's embarrassing for everybody. Sarah Harding, who luckily has not been in the papers for about 24 hours, I think she's finally realised that nobody is remotely interested in Sarah Harding in the charts. It's, you know, you, she needs to sort of, she needs to start practising, you know, reaching up to the top shelf to, to stack things. That's, that's, that would be about the best thing I could offer for her. I know she's going to Coronation Street because she's actress, which is fantastic. And uh, Benny says, I'm listening to you at the Dead Sea. I'd love to go to the Dead Sea. I really, I would, there's all sorts of places I would like to go to. Uh, Sasha says, you think people went to the theme park today because if anything goes wrong, they can sue. Oh, I'm, no, I think, I'll tell you why, why they would go there. Uh, I think they would go there because they know there's a film crew going to be there. That's why. It's like whenever there's a disaster, you always get the mum with the little kid and the teddy. Go, can I put the teddy down? Put the teddy down. Let's get some flowers. There you go. Put some flowers down. You get your picture in the paper. That's what they do, don't they? Uh, best words in a marriage? Yes, dear, says Ian. Sasha reckons that Towie has had to distance themselves from Gemma Collins. Absolutely. Absolutely. You cannot have somebody on that programme. Um, first of all, they're all a bit stupid, though, aren't they? I mean, I don't think there's anybody on, on there with a, with a brain cell. Really, even the ones who claim to have the brain cell, you know they haven't, because we've heard them speaking. And I, I think that if you say, you know, everybody in Essex does death threats, that's OK. Yeah, he ranted and screamed and shouted down the phone at her. <sighs> and that's normal, is it? No, I think somebody's saying, you know, oh, honestly, I'm going to kill you if you go out with anybody else. You know, said in that sort of kind of cheeky kind of way, I'm going to kill you. But no, somebody who screamed and ranted down the phone. No, I'm glad he was kicked off the programme. 
Seriously, I think anybody who does drugs, and they should never have allowed Arge back on there again. Anybody who does drugs or anything like that, just kick them off. They should recast it, because the problem they've got is they can't find any more stupid people, because there's no point in finding sensible people, and Essex is full of sensible people. They have found the only dumb ones in the county. And, of course, it's the dumb ones that we laugh at. And so what are they going to do when they kick them off? Trying to find, you know, unless you find somebody who deliberately plays dumb... In which case, you know, you might have to trawl the net a little bit further. But at the moment, they're having great trouble. I know that they are looking around for people, and they, and they do try various people out, and then they suddenly realise that they're just not much cop on the television. And it's, uh, it's a bit of a shame, actually. Uh, what else? Apparently, listening to music can make you fit as a fiddle. can help your body fight infection and recover after operations. That's good, isn't it? Not that I listen to very much music. I really don't. I'm not a... I'm not sort of a music kind of person. I don't know why, actually. I have been over the years. And I do, I do sometimes listen to music in the car, but I prefer to listen to speech. I become sort of one of these people that your parents go, oh, God, you just listen to speech. I go, I do, actually. I find it more educational. I find it more interesting. I think Nick Abbott's going to be on LBC over the next, uh, next few days. And I love listening to Nick Abbott. Mainly because I know him. Well, sort of know him. I know him because I work with him. And I actually find it, you know, very interesting because he sometimes listens to people and he takes the mickey out of them without them realising. <laughs> and that's, that's the bit that appeals to me because I can't do that. I'm just a bit more blatant about it. Uh, motorist anger at the online driving licence shambles. This was yesterday. If you're going abroad and you want to rent a car and you've got one of the, uh, the new licences, the photo cards, it doesn't come with the paper anymore. They're not issuing those. You can keep it. There's no point throwing it away. You might as well hang on to it. But you now need this number. So you go to the DVLA's website, you put in, your, I think you've got to put in your national insurance number and stuff like that, and then they will uh, give you this number. But it's only valid for 72 hours, so if you're going next week, it's no good printing it off now, because it'll be out of date by the time you get there. They want something that's as up-to-date as possible, and I think that's the only reason they're doing it. And then when you go and hire a car, especially from, I think, Hertz and Avis and people like that, they're expecting this number. If you don't have it, they're not renting you a car. And the other thing is, you've got to have a credit card, OK? Not somebody else's credit card, your own credit card. We've heard of horrendous stories, haven't we, of people who haven't actually had the right credit card and they don't know what to do and they get over there and then the kids are crying and you've had a, you've had a, long, a long flight. I just want to get in a car and drive somewhere. But uh, I think driving in America is far more complicated than driving here. It's like people renting the, uh, the Boris bikes. You know, you see them in the early hours of the morning, you know they've had a few sherbets. I'm just waiting for a, for a major accident to occur. Not so good, is it? Uh, 84850. Uh, one here. Uh, as per Alice Jones's article on Saturday in The Eye, what would you say your interviewing style is? Uh, conversational. That's exactly what it is. It's conversational. Because Richard E. Grant did one the other day with, uh, with Julie Walters. And it's conversation. You know, an interview is a series of questions. Oh, Nick Abbott's on this Friday. From this Friday... Oh, from this Friday. Oh, right. Who's doing it before this Friday? Who's... T- who's? T- oh, it's still down until Friday. And then Friday, 16 straight days. It's a joke there somewhere. And uh, he'll be doing that on, uh, on LBC. So that'll be quite nice, won't it? Yeah, so I think conversation would be the answer to that. I don't do questions as such. I do a conversation because it, that's why it's called in conversation. Otherwise, it'd be called in question, wouldn't it? It probably is being questioned, I should imagine, even as we speak. Quarter past five. <laughs> 
It's 5.20 on Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning as Sol Campbell announces his intention to join the race for London Mayor. The man who currently holds the position joins Nick for a round of Ask Boris. And after the announcement that Oscar Pistorius is set to be released in August, just ten months after incarceration, Nick will be asking, is it too soon? Plus, the number of dangerous dog attacks in London has gone up 50% in the last 12 months. What can we do with the breeds? Nick and the team, after seven this morning, that's after the morning news with Lisa Aziz, Oliver Duff, editor of the I newspaper, will be looking at the papers. Stephen Milne is up early this morning. He said it's very nice to have the sun up. It's unusual, isn't it? I always find it very unusual at this time of the morning. You arrive in in the dark and within about an hour and a half, the sun starts creeping up and it's uh, it's lovely. So, uh, I don't know, he just never stops working, does he? You must be making an abs- either an absolute fortune or you're not making an absolute fortune, Stephen. I can't quite work it out. You seem to be working more, more days than I am, although I do work six days a week. And um, uh, Joey says, I got a letter from DVLA saying the old paper counterpart should be destroyed. Well, they've said you can if you want to. But they say it's, it's, it's not, you can hang on to it. It doesn't sort of make any difference. Nick Ferrari's got one of the old, he probably told you yesterday, he showed us one of the old driving licences. His is on parchment. I'm joking, of course. It looked like parchment to me. And uh, Jeanette says, I found that book. It's called Pardon My Hearse. Pardon my hearse. Is it really? Pardon my hearse. I don't remember it being called that, but there you go. Uh, I'm sure it is. 84850, steve at uk. Apparently, according to a report in the paper today, ever since the Jimmy Savile scandal and, um, and uh, fear of strangers, clowns are on the decline. Apparently, in the 1980s, there was about a thousand clowns. They reckon there's only a hundred clowns now. Oh, there must be more than a hundred clowns. Clowns International... Must have more than 100 clowns, I would think. No, definitely. But I know you do get some people who say they have a fear of clowns. I remember watching a film called The Greatest Show on Earth, and the clown there kept his makeup on all the time because he was hiding, because uh, they thought, or he thought, he'd committed a murder some years previously. But it turned out that, it, that it, he hadn't. But he did live in his clown makeup all the time. Which was interesting, because most clowns, everything is... you know every face is copyrighted? Every clown face, they're all painted on eggshells. So once you've decided what your clown face will be, it's painted on an eggshell, and then it goes into their collection. So each clown is individual. Except, I think, for the white-faced clowns. You know, they seem to have a standard... White, that must take forever and a day to do that. I think it's quite, it's quite demanding being a clown. I went to see Zippo's Circus a couple of times in Twickenham and they have a couple of young clowns up there and he really works hard. I mean, like, really, really hard. Really, it's, it's tough doing it. Imagine going out there and trying to entertain kids all the time. That, I mean, that, that in itself must be exhausting. But now they're saying that, you know, children are wary of clowns because they're a sort of grotesque parody of human beings. But uh, Peter Hill, writing in the paper, says, even at my age, I never sit in the front row when clowns are around. They scare the hell out of me. So they don't scare the hell out of me. I'm, I'm quite fascinated by the, by the makeup. I think that's, that, that's sort of the best thing. You know, you, you, you look at them and you sort of think, that's actually quite clever. Quite clever. Uh, Iceman says, Steve, how about this? I tried the DVLA yesterday about 6am. Couldn't access the page. Tried and tried. Rang the office in the afternoon. They told me it crashed. Yes, I think, I think we were partly uh, responsible for that. Because we were doing it first on the programme, because more people listen to this than anything else. And uh, I think everybody obviously tried it to see if they could access their own files and then suddenly realised that uh, we were in, we're in a big mess because so many people tried to do it at the same time. Uh, Steve Allen on LBC would make uh, a very good commissioner for the Met. Can you imagine, though? I mean, I, I, I do like the Met. I'm a big fan of the police, as you know. Big, big fan of the police. I wouldn't want to do their job. Nothing would make me want to do their job at all. You know, it's, I think you just sort of come up with all sorts of 
all sorts of problems. Kevin the Milkman says, I have to put up with drunks on the Boris bikes every day when I start the round at midnight. Other cyclists as well, usually without lights and all over the road. And I watch the police in their cars totally ignore them. Makes me blooming angry. You know why they ignore them, don't you? Because it's coming to the end of shift and they, um, they can't be bothered to do the paperwork. I have to be honest. I'm, if I was uh, there... I'll have to, uh, I'd have to sort of re- rethink everything. Uh, Steve, Lord Prescott will now have to return to his transport routes. Public transport. Good idea, isn't it? 12 points he's got, honestly. And that's from, and that's from you know, Lord Prescott. <sighs> Dear. Name of the book of Celebrity X, uh, Celebrity X, Pardon My Hearse, says Alan in Croydon. So that's the one, Pardon My Hearse. And it's, it talks about the embalming of um, Marilyn Monroe. And how she looked so awful when they brought her in that they, at one point, to sort of tighten up her skin, they sort of sat her up and they had to sort of pull it all in at the back and then sew it up. So at least she looked presentable. It's one of the tricks of the trade. Personally, I I don't want anybody seeing me after I died. Although I changed my opinion. If you remember the last time I said that, I said I quite like an open coffin. (laughs) I'm hoping I'm going to look better when I die. <laughs> That's, I think it's unlikely, but, you know, you live in hope, don't you, for these sort of things. Uh, Winnie on the subject of clowns says, uh, there's no shortage of clowns at my workplace. <laughs> I was tempted to say the same here, actually. Isn't it funny how people have got a thing about about clowns, how they don't like them? I've always liked circus. I love, I love circus. Full stop. I love the idea that every week there's another place that you've moved on to. Another week where the kids get it very excited and they set up on the tober and it's just, I don't know, I just quite like it. There's nothing nicer than a big top on a beautiful sunny day with the caravans out the back. It looks like an idyllic lifestyle. I realise how hard it is and how little money they get. Dear God in heaven, if you see the pictures of Paul Gascoigne, I've just looked on the television on, uh, on Sky. He's so Botox now. He's obviously spending this 188 grand he's got. And uh, you watch, that'll disappear very quickly. Now he's given up the booze and apparently swapped it for cups of tea. We've heard it before. Let's wait and see, shall we? Once, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. You never lose the taste of it. It's whether or not you slip back into it. So at the moment he's going, oh, listen, I mean, what, what you can do, I've got no idea. Perhaps a job would be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, after 40 years, a florist finds out she's allergic to flowers. This is Eileen Collins. She's stuck at the job, despite feeling blooming awful with hay fever. My boss got hay fever the other day. Seriously, I mean, you can always tell because it's you, everybody's a bit like that. Oh, it's awful. It's just dreadful. And I'd said that I got this pollen at the back of my throat. I don't know where it came from. I'd obviously breathed it in or something. And it just made me cough to the point of I thought, oh, God, I'm just going to cough myself to death here. But uh, he gets hay fever. Everybody's been coming in for, who gets hay fever, really suffering badly. And she's had it always. Runny nose, eyes down, persistent colds. And only recently uh, discovering that it was down to the flower pollen she encounters at work. She said, I was getting worse and worse. I ended up with a chest infection. I was astonished when I was told it was hay fever. They gave me an inhaler and antihistamines. I try and get through the day, but I get sneezing and coughing that just won't stop. But that's pleasing, isn't it? Somebody goes, I'd like some road... <coughs> <coughs> Have you got some peonies? <coughs> Yeah, it's got some peonies as well. Have you got any Obrisha? Obrisha, <coughs> yeah. I can imagine I could take forever to get a bouquet of flowers together. <laughs> I've amused myself on that one, actually. I thought about running a flower shop. The trouble is, a flower shop's got to be kept cold, doesn't it? Otherwise, the flowers uh, give up. Give up. What do you mean, don't forget Tomorite? I wish but Pete don't need to tell me about Tomorite. I'm the advocate of Tom. I wish they'd paid me for it. But uh, no, that was Pete Murray who told me Tomorite years ago. And uh, the baskets, as I say, arrived today. I put it on everything. Put it on the strawberries. Uh, all the... I must take a picture of some of the uh, the troughs. Because with the variegated geraniums, they're coming out quite well at the moment. And I've not even started tomorating. I might, I might give them a quick burst 
before this weekend, and then the flower baskets will come in today. I'll take pictures of them, and then in about three weeks' time, we'll see how they've uh, how they've emerged with the Tomorite. Uh, because I went to the Tower of London the other day, we went to see the Crown Jewels, and in the Express today, there's a feature on the man, the notorious Chancer called Colonel Blood. He wasn't a colonel at all, he was just a confidence trickster, and he should have been executed for stealing the Crown Jewels, but he wasn't. He was fated... And he ended up uh, sort of walking the royal court's glittering state apartments. Far from being a supporter of Charles II, as his position in the Restoration Court might suggest, he was, in fact, a notorious turncoat. But it's worth going. It's worth going. Actually, my advice is that if you're thinking of going to the Tower of London, and it's not cheap, seriously, it's not cheap, why don't you just join historic royal palaces? Because that way, you can get to go to there, the Banqueting House, uh, Kew Royal Palace... Uh, Kensington Palace and Hampton Court and you can go as many times as you want if you want to go every single day of the week you can go every single day of the week why would you bother paying to go singly go online I promise you it'll be the best thing you ever do for a year you can join historic royal palaces and it's it's well worth it it's well worth it it's so much cheaper in the long run it's cheaper to actually go and do that it's cheaper to, uh, to especially if there's a family of you you start paying individually for these things. You're not going to be going as often as you want to go. So my advice, join historic royal palaces. And every year, they'll, they'll, they'll actually about two or three, four times, six times, I don't know. They'll send you all the things of the events that are taking place that you can go. You get a discount in the uh, in the restaurants and the cafes in all the places, a discount in the shops. Just show your card. It's so much easier. There's, there's so many benefits to it. I don't know why you would ever want to pay individually to go. When if you're a family, two adults, two children, you can save a fortune and you can educate the kids and they can go and see living history. You can go to the Tower of London one day, especially with school holidays coming up, the summer holidays. You're thinking, oh, what can we do? Are we going away? Nope. Stay here. Buy historic royal palaces and then go to Hampton Court for a day. Go to Kensington Palace. You can walk in the footsteps of uh, of the kings and queens of this country, and it's well worth it, I promise you. James Stewart, says Ken, was the movie The Greatest Show on Earth, the clown who wore his makeup. In the film, he was a doctor, that's right, blamed for the death of a patient, so nobody would recognise him, he kept the makeup on. It was, it was quite, he was quite, I love that show, though. I love that show. Come to the circus, the greatest show on earth. And it really is, it's the greatest free entertainment if you don't go in. But uh, you should go in. It's always, it's always good fun, stuff like that. Uh, a lot of people talking about the, uh, the Boris bikes and uh, how they've taken over the capital. I absolutely, I absolutely agree. Absolutely. Um, other one here. This is, I never know who these people are. They always do a feature in the Express on your health. And this is somebody called Becky Mantin. I've no idea who she is. Becky Mantin, the day my life changed forever, the ITV weather presenter. I've never even heard of her. Why have I never heard of these people? And I watch television more than most. I sit there watching it, and I'm, I'm always fascinated by uh, by television. But uh, then they, they put somebody's name up, and you think, they've obviously got an agent, and they're going, uh, can we put you on... T- yeah, did you have an accident once? Yeah, uh, surfing. Oh, OK, that'll do. Let's, let's do that one. Jeremy Clarkson is making a shock TV comeback this week on Chris Evans' TFI Friday show. It's a one-off this Friday. Then there might be a, a series, depending on how it goes. Uh, that's why Chris Evans was filming the little bit to put into the programme. It's nothing to do with him taking over Top Gear or anything like that at all. Um, also, uh, the Terror Ride team. This is Leia. This is Leia Washington, 17, who's had to have her leg amputated. Uh, people are going back on the rides. They will, they will go back on there. Um, 
whether or not that, that ride is operating, I'm not, I'm not sure, actually. Uh, Kim Marsh droning on about her relationship. You feel like saying, why don't you just Velcro your mouth together and uh, stop talking about it? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. The reason you can't keep your relationships together, Kim, I'll explain it quite simply to you, is because you play your life out in the media. And I'm very late for the news, and it's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 25 minutes to, uh, to six. There's a picture in the paper today of, uh, of Ashley Cole living up to his cashly tag, spraying champagne over pals at a £165 a ticket pool bash in Marbella with a string of babes, or as I prefer, prefer to call them, available people. Uh, social media users Brad, the former England defender, an idiot. I don't think he's ever been anything else, has he, really? And uh, mind you, over in Celebrity Love Island and Big Brother, apparently it's all hotting up with girls hopping into bed with just about everybody and a, a bimbo and a boyfriend on the beach declaring themselves the, uh, the next Posh and Bex. Sadly, there is only one. Posh and Bex and uh, the others are just pale imitators who will disappear back to that town they live in called Obscurity. Uh, Kim Marsh has broken her silence, as indeed we knew she would. We often say to Kim Marsh, and we say it now on a regular basis because she's getting through men, like most people get through dolly mixtures, you know, really, if you stop talking about the boyfriends you go out with, you might actually be able to have a relationship. But you're getting a little bit old now at 38 to still be selling your dreary story to OK magazine. Nobody cares about your relationship. Nobody cares about you. You're just one of many, many average actresses in this country who happens to have uh, been given a break and you're on Coronation Street. You know, if you kept your life private, it, people might respect you a little bit more. But unfortunately, they're just laughing at you, Kim. And every time another relationship goes uh, belly up, we laugh even more because yet again, you have to sell your story. Why anybody would be remotely interested, I cannot imagine. Oh, good Lord. There's a very attractive drag queen. Good heavens above, it's Duncan James achieving his uh, role in life of dressing up as a woman. He's playing Tick in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Unfortunately, Duncan's legs aren't quite up to scratch. He's really got the worst set of legs. And also, he must be the only woman with this many tattoos. It doesn't make him butch. It just makes him a drag queen with tattoos. But I'm sure that he'll do very well. Paul Gascoigne with the Botox face now, looking slightly peculiar. Looking a little bit like Ming the Merciless. Indeed, uh, only one other person up until now, Bobby Boris Cole in Towie, has managed to look like Ming the Merciless. And God knows, that has got to be the worst look ever, I'm afraid. And there really is bad blood between Katy Perry and Taylor Swift. Although I thought Taylor Swift was the nice one. Um, although I, I do like Katy Perry as well. I think they're both absolutely brilliant. But now they've had a, you know, a swipe at each other and it's, it's arguing. I mean, nobody really cares, do they? Well, I don't think anybody really cares. I'm, I'm never too sure. Never too sure. Uh, Morrisons have sparked a price war. Everyday foods are about to take a drop in cost by a third. But if you believed every single one of these stories in the papers, you'd spend most of your day trawling between the supermarkets. So what they've done now is they, they've gone for the essentials, as they call them. So they've cut uh, the price of milk, butter and eggs to try and win back customers. Uh, so they've reduced the cost of two litres of milk from a pound to 89p. But that's what I thought it was in Iceland anyway. A tin of tuna chunks from 79p to 57. And a kilo of sugar from 69 to 52. Eggs are now 169. Uh, butter is down to 88p. Experts say the own brand cuts will be incredibly expensive for Morrisons, but predict the rivals will follow suit. Because what they hope is that with these discounted things, you'll go in there and you'll see something else. 
You very rarely go into a shop and just say, right, I'm just going to buy milk or I'm just going to buy butter or I'm just going to buy eggs. You'll see something else as you're wandering around, as you do in Iceland. You go around, you go, oh, a packet of biscuits, 50p. Oh, we'll have those. So you put your chocolate biscuits in. By the time you got round there, you spent a lot more. Oh, wait a minute, there's a discount on this rice. So that's what people do. And so, and then all the others will sort of start knocking back the prices. And then eventually somebody will crack and somebody will put the prices back up. And then they'll all put the prices back up. So it swings and roundabouts. It's like the petrol, isn't it? You go out there. I've lost track of um, of how much petrol costs nowadays because every time I go past a garage, it's another price, and I never know. You know where? I'm, do I shop around? I don't. I can't be bothered to shop around. I just put the petrol in. I sometimes think if it's gone up this much, I'll just. I won't put as much in. It'll be easier. Southwest trains do two for one deals, says Wendy, uh, to places like uh, Tower of London, museums, etc. Only snag the price of the train ride, though easier than trying to park, especially in London. Yes, I did park up by Tower Hill the other day when we went up to Tower of London. And uh, I loved it. I love going round there because it never gets packed, packed, packed solid inside. It is full of tourists and they love it. They absolutely love it. And the, there will be a queue for the crown jewels. But as I said before, take my advice, go in the back, go round the side, go in the back. Just just do it in reverse. There's nobody there. It doesn't make it because you've just walked through. You're not going to be walking out with anything, are you? Believe you me. We couldn't work out, though, in the crown jewels. When you're on the moving travelator going down either side of them, you look at them and you think, are they real? Are they really real? And then you look at all the gold plate and the silver plate and you go, blimey, it's gorgeous. And then you, you wonder whether or not the crown jewels disappear at night. Do they sink down into the case and then a metal cover comes over the top? I don't know. We were looking at them trying to work out if that happens or they just turn the lights off and lock the door. I don't know. Somebody will no doubt tell me about that. Do you know they're making a film? They, they, they made a film about Paul Gascoigne. Can't tell the feeling that was a bit of a waste of time. But now Eddie the Eagle Edwards has been warned that the Hollywood biopic about him will only be 10% accurate. Why on earth would we want to applaud a failure? Why on earth would we want to applaud a failure? He said the film rights were sold in 1998. It's finally being made by the man behind the X-Men. But Eddie has no control over the content. And then it's being nervous about how he's portrayed. As a failure, Eddie. As a failure. We know, we know he did well in Splash, but it, it doesn't deal with that, does it? This is, this is based on his life. The film's out next year. Who on earth is going to go and see that? Who on earth will be remote? That'll be straight to CD, won't it? Or wax cylinder. He says, I've been warned only 10% to 15% of it is based on my life. The rest of it will just be some silly little story made up. They have to do it to make him interesting, because there's nothing particularly interesting about being a failure. So to make it interesting, they, they sort of add little bits. It'll be a love interest and, and stuff like that. Well, that's what I'm assuming. That's what I'm assuming it will, uh, it will be. The Sex Pistols are lending their name to a range of credit cards. Uh, the punk band's name and record sleeve art will appear on cards from Virgin Money today. 38 years after they were first signed by Richard Branson. 38 years. Is that possible? The answer is, yes, it is, and I remember it vividly. And I went with a friend of mine to interview the Sex Pistols years ago. And they looked bored and, you know, just a bit of a waste of space. And, of course, since then, of course, Johnny Rotten, John Lydon, the lead singer, has sold out by advertising butter and just about anything he can get his hands on. He even did Celebrity Big Brother. Was it the I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here? That was how much of a fraud he really was, you know. Oh, we're so pretty, oh, so pretty. No, you weren't. Weren't even attractive. Sid Vicious was off his face most most of the time. And uh, I think this was prior to him going out with Nancy Spungen. But we met them in a in a room off Tin Pan Alley in London, off the Charing Cross Road, uh, to do this interview, which I didn't do. A friend of mine, I just went along, I, th- I think, as security, because they were so mad. And they were just a bit silly, really. 
they were just a bit silly and they thought they were being anarchic. And we all remember, don't we, that infamous interview with poor Bill Grundy, who was having the worst day of his life. And it wasn't helped by when they changed a classical music interview to then, you're going to be interviewing the Sex Pistols. And I was watching the television at home. I just happened to have it on. And the Sex Pistols being interviewed by poor Bill Grundy on ITV when um, somebody made a suggestion and he made a suggestion back and she then said, you dirty old man. And so he went, oh, go on, say something else, Rude. And so they did. (laughs) They launched into a tirade of four-letter words and everything else and it just went from... He must have thought it was his worst nightmare. There he is sitting there in his suit and uh, he's, he's surrounded by all these punks who stank to high heaven. And they were letting loose with a torrent of four-letter words. I've never heard anything like it on television. And uh, in the end, poor old Bill Grubb, well, that sealed his fate. That sealed his fate. There was nothing he could do about it. I don't think he ever wanted to do the interview in the first place. He just felt... I felt a wee bit sorry for him. Um, Andy says, they keep the crown jewel secure at night in a safety deposit box at Hatton Garden. <laughs> that'll, be, uh, that'll be good, won't it? Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. Wouldn't that be so funny if they lost the crown jewels there and the ones that we were looking at? Um, uh, Somebody says, I thought Eddie the Eagle Edwards was far from a failure. Really? (laughs) What papers are you reading? You're reading the Noddy and Big Ears sport pages, I suppose. Really? How stupid are you? Of course he was a failure. He was a total failure. He never ski-jumped in his life. A total failure. That's what the film's about. Don't you understand anything about people? It's a bit mad, isn't it? I hope, you, God, you don't vote. That would be dreadful. Uh, what have we got here? What was this one? Oh, this got Gemma Collins makes all the papers people can't believe. And uh, last night, the show insider said, this will be the management, Gemma's a silly girl saying that these comments are not the views of the channel or the programme. Of course they're not. Unfortunately, Gemma, Gemma Collins should be fired, I think, immediately. Uh, for these comments about putting Dan Osborne back on the programme, because everybody in Essex says that to their girlfriends. No, only stupid people like you, Gemma. The rest of the uh, rest of the county is trying to live down your really stupid comments. Not clever, not big. Oh, sorry, you are big. I do beg your pardon. It's unfortunately your brain that's very small. It's quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. My friend Gareth uh, decided to take Martin Lewis's advice. Because Martin Lewis was offering uh, advice. You know, some people are very good at negotiating price discounts. And so Gareth rang Sky and said, I want to cancel, several times. Ended up with 60% off for 10 months. See, it is possible to get these these discounts on place. A friend of mine has to do it for me. I can't can't do it for love nor money. They just sort of say, no, we we can't offer a discount. And I go, thank you. Put the phone down. A friend of mine goes, listen, I've got a better deal elsewhere. And that's why we got my phone down to, I think we're about 16 quid a month now for everything. 16 quid a month. It's not bad, is it, really? Anybody who's paying any more than that, start renegotiating. Uh, Kelsey says, a trip for all your listeners flying long haul. Uh, this is what you can use this all the time, uh, depending on whether the plane is fully booked. Book economy, when you get to the airport, ask to be upgraded to business class, and they'll tell you how much it will cost. You can go, sorry, how much, how much is it to upgrade to business class? And they will tell you. I mean, normally it's about double the economy price, but if you do it my way, it says saves about two or three hundred quid, which is usually a saving about five hundred pounds upwards. Of course, if they have seats, if they don't have any seats in business class, you're stuck in economy for God knows how many hours. Yeah, because they do it in America. They they always have a thing there and you say how much to upgrade to first class and they say, Oh, that'll be two thousand one hundred dollars or whatever it happens to be. And then you either take it or not. It's always cheaper. 
because they've got empty seats there, so they don't mind doing an upgrade. But if you get there and you're flying on one of the popular routes over to America, and I would think, actually, Florida would be one of the popular routes, you've got to make sure that you're flying at a time that not everybody else is, because otherwise their business gets gets very booked up. Very booked up. Supermarket Price Wars says, Noreen, sometimes we look online, but not sure if we can be bothered. But if the cost is an issue, it's excellent. Um, do you realise that Rick Mayle died a year ago? Is it really? Good Lord. A year ago. And do you realise Jeanette Tate would be 50 now? She vanished doing her paper round in the 70s. 50. Rick Mayle a year ago. Never interviewed Rick Mayle, actually. I would, I, would, I would have loved to have talked to uh, to Rick Mayle. I'm not sure what sort of interview he would have been. I wonder, actually. Some, but sometimes all the people that I sort of think, would I want to talk to them? You know, I wonder what they're really like. Then you meet them and you go, wow, they're really, really nice. Uh, 84850, Steve, at lbc.co.uk. And uh, another one here. This is from, 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 from. Where's it gone to? Oh, there it is, I think, actually. Uh, like, like this one here, which is from uh, Mary, who listens to the programme every morning. But I love the story in the paper. You're going to love this story. This is a great one. This is a glass. It's a story of a glass taken from a pub by a member of the Real Dad's Army, not, not the television show, uh, 74 years ago. It's finally been returned. 74 years late. The glass was borrowed by Cyril Smith, who popped into his local to get his wife Rosalie a shot of port before heading off on home guard duty in April 1941. That night, the West Ho pub in Plymouth was flattened by German bombers in the Blitz and Cyril had to keep the glass. Nobody to take it back to. His daughter, Innes Jordan, who's 77, has now returned it to the restored pub after finding it during a clear-out. Innes of South Brent in Devon says, The story of the glass feels like it's been in my family forever. My mother kept saying it should go back. The pub's landlord, Paul McCarthy, says, I plan to get a case made up for it. It feels quite important. I think things like that are nice, actually. I like, uh, I like little, little stories about uh, something 74 years ago and they put that glass back in there it's like going to the tower of london we went up there we were looking at we went into the white tower which is the big one in the middle which i think is about the oldest building inside the tower of london and uh, we look at all the suits of armor and they had little suits of armor for children like you'd go into mother care and buy a romper suit they had little suits of armor which were really cute actually and some of them hilarious they've even got henry the suit of armor and I can't really describe that to you because it just looks a bit rude. Just a little bit. Uh, most biopics are totally inaccurate. The worst is Cary Grant as Cole Porter in Night and Day, which completely omitted the fact that, uh, that Porter was gay. But then it was made in 1946. Mind you, I've got you under my skin. It's fabulously performed by a singer named Ginny Sims, who was Louis B. Mayer's mistress, who may have tried hard to make a star, but sadly never quite got the top-notch billing. The best and most accurate biopic, says David, is the 1985 film Sweet Dreams, with Jessica Lang as the late, great Patsy Cline. Jessica miming superbly to Patsy's original recordings. Patsy was quite a lady and didn't mince words and threw four-letter words around with gusto. Another great uh, performance, uh, Susan Haywood as the 1940s singer Jane Froman in the film With a Song in My Heart. Jane was seriously injured in a wartime plane crash, but continued her career on crutches and went all over the world, entertaining the troops in World War II. Remarkable lady indeed, but whether the film is 100% accurate, I can't say. As old as I am now, even World War II is a bit before my time. Thank you, David. Well, exactly, that's why, I mean, Eddie the Eagle Edwards, you know, a failure in, in jumping. I mean, it was almost an embarrassment, really, but that was about the best we got. It's a bit, I mean, they might as well make a biopic about uh, Britain's entry to Eurovision and do that. 
Uh, Dion says, remember Chris Evans friendly with the Top Gear trio? Well, yeah, when I say friendly, or when you say friendly, they're not like buddy-buddy. They've all been on his programme, and he knows them because they both work for the same channel. So that's the reason. And says, don't ever have a drink with with Carol. You'll come second. No, no, no. I've, I've had drinks with Carol. You forget she used to work here. You forget she used to work here. Good heavens above, honestly. Don't need to tell me about these things. Uh, Caroline says, uh, re-petrol. My brother bought his wife an E-type Jag. Was shocked at how expensive such an ugly car is. Give me a Bentley any day. He won't, of course. Oh, some people like uh, Jags, don't they? There's a couple going begging with uh, with old uh, Prescott, isn't there? They'll be sitting in the garage doing nothing for the next year or so. Uh, Steve, 85 million old mobile phones containing gold are lying around, unwanted, worth about 110 million. Yes, they are. That's a feature in one of the papers today on how many phones there are lying around all over the place. Front page on the Metro. We'll go through the front pages uh, later. Uh, David Cameron's done this U-turn. Remember the other day we were reporting that he said he was going to sack the ministers. He says it was all a big misunderstanding. Perhaps he was having just one of those days. And the FIFA film. Uh, they think it's awful. It's taken just £394 in US cinemas. Paul Gascoigne, who's so Botox now, he's unrecognisable as the uh, person from a few weeks ago. And so he turned up uh, to his, uh, his documentary, Gascoigne, screened in London. And uh, he's battled addiction. He says, I've had a great career. There's been parts I stopped playing that I really enjoyed. The worst one was the Gaza Strip. He says, I'd be having a shave and the news would come on saying, and the Gaza Strip. He said, I'd be, what's that? Then I, then I realised, he said, I couldn't wait for that to end. Gascoigne is out on DVD from Monday. Didn't even bother putting it at the cinemas. I think easier just to, I suppose, go straight to DVD. Who would buy it? I've got no idea. I've really got no idea. I wouldn't be remotely interested. Oh, um, uh, Charles Kennedy's funeral is going to take place this Friday uh, near his Fort William home. They're expecting thousands of mourners. There's going to be a memorial service at the University of Glasgow on June the 18th and another in London at a later date. Uh, he died the other week, aged 55, after suffering a haemorrhage, as you know, caused by his battle with alcoholism. I just want to know what he was drinking. I mean, was he drinking whiskey? Was he drinking all the time? I mean, you know, I do know people who drink whiskey for a living. They actually collect super-duper whiskies. But uh, the funeral will take place next Friday. And they're expecting lots of people at St John's Church in, I think it's Kale, which is near uh, Fort William. So they'll go, there'll certainly be a media, a media scrum up there. They'll be sort of already booking their place in the hotels and everything else around there. Um, was it right for people to go back to Alton Towers and go on the, the rides again? I think the truth of the matter is we're so indifferent to this kind of thing nowadays. Just seriously think that people going to Alton Towers are going to go, oh, there was an accident on a ride the other week. We can't go on it out of, you know, out of remembrance for this girl who's now lost uh, a leg. I don't think people care about that at all. I, th- I really think we're so heartless in these sort of things. You know, Alton Towers losing a fortune. We don't know how the the car crashed into the other one. We don't know whether or not it was human error. Presumably we will find out. Presumably there will be lawyers who are desperate to take this girl on to say, you know, you should be covered. There will be insurance. And so the insurance companies could be expecting a big payout. Uh, it's a shame, really. There's another, there's another person as well. This is uh, Chanda Singh who's had an operation on her stomach and suffered a damaged liver. But from 10 o'clock yesterday, customers began pouring back into the park. Merlin Entertainments insisted they were committed to ensuring people can visit again with confidence. 
Well, that's what we hoped the last time around, didn't we? When we walked through the gates of Alton Towers, we did think that uh, that was going to be, you know, with confidence, you expect a big place like that to check and make sure that everything's absolutely perfect. So, you know, we'll heads roll over it. How did that ride go wrong? But if you look around the world, they just don't, they don't go wrong that often. They're actually quite, quite good. The safety record on these sort of things is actually quite, quite brilliant, quite brilliant. On the subject of uh, afternoon tea, Jeff says, uh, my lady Sue, it's a birthday today. We're going to have tea at the Savoy today. Oh, that's nice. You'll like that, actually. That's nice. If you're coming into town, just, well, if you're coming into water, I don't know where you come in from, uh, Epping. Which station do you come into? Anyway, it's nice. It's nice. Tea at the Savoy is good. We like the, uh, the Langham which is very nice, and the Dorchester. I think I have a tea at just about most places. Claridge's is very nice as well. They all sound terribly posh, and it's a great thing to do, and it's a great little birthday treat. If you can always surprise somebody with, a, with an afternoon tea, I always think that's, that's, that's very nice indeed. Um, Jackie is up this morning, so that's, uh, that's good news. And uh, Ian says, I remember when Rick Mayle and the whole alternative comedy crowd burst onto the scene over 30 years ago. I thought it was some of the funniest TV ever. Isn't it funny? See, I never thought that they were funny. I never liked the young ones. I never got into the young ones at all. I just didn't, I just didn't see it. But there again, you see, I never liked the goons. It was all that kind of stuff. Mon- Monty Python I liked, but I was never, you know, out guffawing all over the place. Incidentally, that film we were talking about with Steve... Uh, sorry, with, uh, with Simon Pegg the other day... It's got all the surviving pythons in it as voices, all of them. Well, except obviously one. But uh, they're all there. I think the first time it's ever happened. First time it's ever happened. And, of course, it's got Robin Williams' last vocal piece as he plays a dog. Coming up very shortly, the news at six o'clock on LBC. The traffickers hiding amongst the migrants on the Navy ship. I must tell you the story about Bart Simpson being killed off. You don't seem to be particularly worried about it, but I have to tell you it's it's not as dramatic as you think. Uh, If you want to lower your blood pressure, a burst of classical music is the way forward. It calms you down. Stand up at your office desk for a healthier heart and brain. Prince Harry's night out with Lady Gaga. It's been a few days since we had a photo of him. And after 40 years, that florist who found out she's allergic to flowers. Gemma Collins proves she really is as thick as the proverbial brick. And the driving licence revamp brings car hire chaos. And Simon Cowell and Rita Ora, he's offered her a lot of money. Do you think it'll put Chezza's nose out of tune? I think so. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, the 9th of June. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. Kate Mess is the paper's headline. The jet booze binge after the five-day detox. That's the trouble, you know, it's yet another picture of, uh, of somebody who's supposed to be somebody that people look up to who got uh, blathered. Does it really make any difference? Well, it does really on a plane. Luckily, she didn't get, uh, didn't get too far. She just abused the pilot and said a few things. But most of the passengers, according to the papers, seem to think she was fairly funny. But there again, we always laugh at the sad drunks, don't we? The breast cancer blocker. Scientists have found a way to stop the disease spreading. That's got to be the best news of the day. The driving licence revamp bringing car hire chaos. I'll run through it again a little bit later on. And Bart Simpson to be killed off. I can't believe it. But he is. But uh, luckily it's not quite as bad as it sounds. And Irene only discovered this programme eight months ago and has now become totally hooked. And, uh, and says... Um, 
It says here, the pain that I'm in at the moment, because she's on uh, morphine, other ghastly medication, says the pain was nearly forgotten when I heard you talking about Gemma Collins earlier. Even though she doesn't know who Gemma Collins is, she has to go and Google people that she's never heard of before, so she can find out. And then once you've Googled Gemma Collins, you suddenly realise there is the word stupid that goes along with her. Uh, John says, I've just heard... uh, the police chief, Bernard Hogan Howe, on the news. Yes, he was on uh, last night, yesterday evening, on LBC. Uh, he, uh, John thinks he's become an embarrassment and a nuisance to real policemen and women. Uh, typical, he says, of the liberal, politicised donkeys leading the real lines that are the proper police on the ground. I don't know, is there such a thing as proper police on the ground anymore now? They're being cut back every which way but, aren't they? And I think that if we need to undo all the wrongs, and there certainly are enough wrongs, I think we need to double the size of the police force, far from cutting it back and hearing politicians saying, you know, we need to make savings and everything else. If they need to make savings, why don't we get rid of half the politicians? That'd save us quite a bit of money. Once we stop people coming to this country exploiting the National Health Service, that would save a lot of money. I want to see more police officers on the beat. You get them in other countries. Why can't we have them here? Goodness sake, they have to work long hours. They get paid for it, I realise. But, I mean, frankly, I mean, you, re- you wouldn't want the job if they paid you for it. And they do get paid. Now that the people, says Phil, are going back to Alton Towers, I wonder how many of the rides will have the front seats empty. It used to be, didn't it? If you went on a ride, if you went on a roller coaster ride, if memory serves, you either sat at the front or you sat right at the back. So you got the whiplash as it went over. I went on a ride down in South End, and you literally went up a vertical tower, and so the seat you were in, the, the ride, tipped backwards. And so you were staring at the... I mean, even thinking about it now, I get, I get slightly damp. Slightly damp, worrying about it. And then you got to the top, and then it just went directly over the top and straight down the other side. And it was, it was, I mean, it was great fun. Very quick ride, though. Most of these things last about three minutes. This one, I think, was over in about 58 seconds. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was very quick. You think, oh, do it again, again, please. It was very nice indeed, very nice. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Neil says, that's all. Morning. Thank you. It's all you need to say. Just need to sort of check in. I think we should have a, a signing in kind of book on this programme every morning. Uh, the weather for today. Wouldn't you like to know what today brings? Apart from a few light showers this morning, dry with sunny spells. It will be breezy inland, becoming windy later along the Kent coast. That'll be about Whitstable, I think. Highest temperatures across western areas, 16 degrees centigrade, everybody. Tonight, dry with clear periods, remaining breezy, especially along the Kent coast. Why have we got it in for the Kent coast today? The lows of nine. And for Wednesday, dry with sunny spells, windy across the southeast of the region, particularly along the Kent coast. <laughs> Highest temperature across Hampshire and the Isle of Wight. And the outlook... For Thursday to Saturday, bright or sunny spells. Thursday, an increased chance of thundery showers along the Kent coast. <laughs> I don't know why we got it in for you today. Friday showers or longer spells of rain, locally heavy and thundery. Oh, that's all right. I can cope. I'm trying to do what I'm doing on Friday. Am I likely to get wet? I don't think so. I think I should go to the Kent coast and apologise to them all, I think, on that day. <laughs> Imagine poor people on the Kent coast. Uh, 84850. You must be talking about the rage at Adventure Island, says Alex. My seven-year-olds love it. Yes. <laughs> Lynn says, re-classical music. Having medical benefits, I found Mozart works a treat. Calming my dog down on bonfire night. Well, I mean, don't even talk about... But we don't, we're not even near bonfire night yet. Uh, Mick and Carly says, did Bart Simpson die choking, eating his shorts? It's only because I know that, actually. It's only because I know that that's what he does, eat my shorts. Uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how he, how he dies. Well, I'll, I'll, 
No, I don't want to tell you how he dies, because it'll ruin it, won't it? I mean, that will, that will ruin a programme, and then you'll all be hating me, because you'll say, Steve Allen's given away why on how he dies. I'll just tell you, that it isn't, it isn't permanent. Uh, Kevin says, I wish we had a third question on a ballot about our future in Europe, giving us the option of being a trading-only partner like the EEC our parents joined in 1973. Yes. I'd be interested. Do you think they would ever get round to that? No, I don't think so. Uh, the Sex Pistols, says Tony, were invited in after Queen pulled out. Also, all the best to the girl who had to have her leg amputated. I had my right leg amputated last September because of diabetes. And your show has actually helped me when things have been bad. Yes, I mean, that's the one thing that I dread having. You know, if, as, as anybody will tell you, diabetics and legs don't kind of go together because we don't bother looking after them, do we? We don't bother actually going out there properly, making sure that, you know, you. I mean, I bought this new... I had a thing that took, you know, uh, rough skin off the end of your feet and I bought another one, which is even better than the first one. If it was electric, I'm sure you could get down and draw blood. But uh, this thing's just got the rollers that go round and it takes four batteries and it's very good. And then I've got different creams and everything else just to protect your feet because it's the only part of your body you don't bother with, do you? People laughed when I said I had a seat in the shower because I've got a chair which I sit at in the shower, mainly because I, ha- I can't be bothered. I'm far too lazy to stand up in the shower. So I, um, so I, I sort of sit down in the shower and you could do your feet easy. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I keep looking at these pictures of Paul Gascoigne. He just looks particularly peculiar. He's looking like a sort of another version of Gary Glitter at the moment with this silly little beard that he's got at the bottom. But uh, he's been Botoxed to within an inch of his life by the look of it. Not a great look, I'm afraid. Not a great look. Jenny in Edgware. Afternoon tea at the Wallace Collection was wonderful. Enjoyed it so much. I recommend it. I've always pushed the Wallace Collection. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. It's free. We like free. They ask you to make a donation, as they do in a lot of places. But uh, I think talking about it is my donation to them. It's a great collection. It's like a jewel house for the Wallaces uh, in London. And it's just room upon room upon room. Canalettos, the Laughing Cavalier, pictures, jewellery boxes, armour. Oh, God, it's got everything. Got everything. Educational for everybody. And if you're in London and you maybe do Selfridges, come out the back of Selfridges and go to the Wallace Collection. Go to the, really, I promise you, you won't be disappointed. You'll come back and you go, do you know, we were standing next to Canalettos. Canalettos. Mind you, I recommend the National Portrait Gallery as well. I've become a little bit of a fiend for history in town. Excuse me. It's getting a little bit, uh, little bit dry this morning. Uh, so Simon Cowell has offered Rita Ora a million and a half uh, as he pulls out the stops to sign up for the X Factor. Uh, Rita turned down a judging role in March, but is said to be tempted after Nick Grimshaw joined the panel. Oh, God, that'll be boring as hell, won't it? Good grief. No people managed to turn up on time. It'll be the first thing he's ever turned up for. Anyway, she's worried about the impact of X Factor on her music career in America. Yeah, that is the problem, isn't it, really? But anyway, Cheryl Fernandez Versace Spagbol uh, committed to the X Factor some time ago, uh, while uh, DJ Grimmy, I think Grim kind of sums it up, really, has uh, given his verbal agreement. But they haven't, uh, they haven't started filming and it's not, uh, not confirmed at all. But to be honest with you, I don't know why they've got Spagbol on there. I mean, she's not, she's not successful in any way, shape or form, is she, really? I mean, I don't, she can't really talk about, you know, people's musical career because she hasn't got one herself. So much easier. People talking about the, uh, the park reopening, Alton Towers, this is, but it feels wrong. What if people will not be sitting on the, on the front seat? I wonder... That'll be very interesting. Trevor and Simon... Uh, Trevor and Simon. Sorry. <laughs> Trevor and Angela signing in from Lowestoft this morning. 
And, uh, and um, yes, uh, D- Dion doesn't like uh, loose women. I-, I watched it the other day. It's it's turned into a bit of it's a bit nothing, isn't it? Really, it needs it needs a kick. I think Martin Frizzell needs to kick harder. Actually, uh, my guess is the Simpsons sideshow Bob does him in. Oh. I think you could be quite right, actually. <laughs> I think you might be right on that one. And heard you talking about circuses. What was the name of that children's book on the circus you loved as a child, which didn't make the recent list of favourites? It was um, The Circus is Coming by Noel Stretfield. It's an old book, 1940s. 1940s. Good book. Really good book for, for children. Very good book. I don't think it was ever made into a film. I don't know why. It should have been. It was, it was very interesting. I, remember, I've still, I still read it now. I still read it now. Kevin the Milkman says, your shower seat was mentioned on another radio station's breakfast show last year. You're now officially down with the kids. Yes. <laughs> yes. I do pop in and see them on there. I do pop, I, I'm not sure about down with the kids. And uh, uh, Dave in Bermondsey says, because he's in Bermondsey, morning, Treacle. I love it. Told you I used to have a driver. He used to call all his girlfriends Treacle. I said, what do you call them Treacle for? He said, because I can't remember their names. I said, how many are there? He said, quite a few. So every time the phone went, he go, hello, treacle. <laughs> I don't know why treacle. I don't know why treacle should sound funny, especially when you do it in that sort of South London accent. Hello, treacle. Why does that sound funny? I don't know. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's 6.20. Greetings from the University of Missouri, says uh, Mary. And thank you for mentioning the singer Jane Froman. She retired to... Uh, is it Columba? Columba, Missouri, which she considered a hometown and lived just a few streets from my parents' home. When I was small, I would go with my mother to her beauty salon appointments when Jane Froman would also be there. Uh, Jane would be singing scales, and I always remember her voice and the braces on her legs. She was an inspiring lady, and Susan Hayward did a great performance in the movie. There you go. Even in Missouri, they're listening to us this morning, which is good. Uh, why do we... A great whinge, says Helen, uh, have paid millions of pounds for cycle paths on busy roads, only to have to slow down to avoid them, still on the main roads, causing congestion. If I drove in a bus lane or a cycle lane, I'd be fine. Well, you can't drive in a cycle lane, they're not big enough. Although they're thinking of putting one in Twickenham. I'm slightly disturbed. The council sent a thing through the other day. We're thinking about a cycle highway for about four cycles. Hardly worth bothering, really. Cyclists should be fined for being on the main road when a perfectly good cycle lane is there. Well, I still think it's illegal to cycle on the pavement. There is no law that allows them to cycle on the pavement at all. So they should be fined immediately. Great picture in the Daily Mirror today. Uh, Denise in Stretton, by the way, has just signed in. Thank you, which is good. And, um, oh, the book, The Circus is Coming, I'm going to get for the grandships. Great book. Great book. Read it to them. It's really good. Uh, there's a great picture here of, uh, I think, a first in the Daily Mirror, and it uh, captures uh, the chills, the spills, and the thrills of the natural world. And this is the image in February that the Niagara Falls froze. It froze. It, the temperature plummeted so much. First time in living memory. And they took a picture of the Niagara Falls uh, in Ontario, in Canada, uh, the polar vortex there. just sort of, And it's just the most amazing thing. It's as if somebody's just caught and it's just stopped right above a building, which I think must have overlooked. The, it looks quite frightening, actually. But I n- I've never seen them. I've only ever seen them on the, uh, on the television. Uh, look absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Um, Dean says, I listen every day and love your info. You know, on the subject of classical music, I think they should have it in all call lines to stop you getting wound up while you're holding on. Yes, I mean, I, I would think that would be a very good idea. I hate some of the tunes they play on these call things while you're waiting. 
really is dreadful. It's just, you just sit there, and by the time you actually get somebody, you're so angry. <laughs> Got to curb the anger. Front pages of the papers. You want to know what they're all saying this morning, don't you? Kate's EasyJet rant revealed. Um, you know, pfft, whatever, whatever. It's just a little bit of useless publicity for, you know, just somebody who's a clothes horse. Uh, the uh, Phil Neville story, his wife Julie fights back. The Twitter trolls abuse our disabled girl and threaten to rape me. We've got to stop them. Yes, you should absolutely have this one in court immediately. I think somebody who writes anything like that, it carries a two-year jail sentence. Frankly, I'd double it immediately. Let's find out who this person is. Let's find out who this person is. I think that would have to be the, the mission. So it's no good, Julie. I think it's great going to the newspapers and talking about it. But let's, let's get to the police. Let's find this person. Let's get him into court. Let's see the papers name and shame them. That's, that's what it comes down to. Because these people are too stupid to be walking around unaided by a police officer, preferably with handcuffs. Uh, new hope for thousands. Breast cancer blocker is the front story on the mirror today. This is the story which I think is the, is the big one. Thousands of women's lives could be saved after a British scientist discovered how to stop breast cancer spreading to the rest of your body. If that isn't the best best news we've heard today, nothing is. Uh, Cam off it, Dave. The Prime Minister's U-turns over the threat to sack ministers is front of the Metro. The Daily Star can't come, uh, come up with anything apart from dreary old Kim Marsh, who can only ever appear in uh, places like the Daily Star and OK magazine because nobody else gives a forex about her love life. Uh, Gaza gets his fizz back with a bit of Botox, and uh, Joey Girl loses leg. It turns out the girl who's lost her leg in the park, Leia, uh, once upon a time had a picture taken with Joey Essex. And so that's the best they've managed to come up with. The Daily Express, speeding ban for two Jags Prescott. Naughty little boy. Naughty little boy, driving too fast. Takes him to 12 points, so he's off the road. So that's good news. Of course, you know, in his usual sort of gruff, northern, hilarious kind of way. Uh, well, I brought the law, so I've got to pay for it. Yes, absolutely, so you should have done. What a fool. The airline wants to ground disruptive Kate Moss. Uh, I've read other papers. They haven't said anything about banning her from EasyJet. She'd just fly with somebody else. Makes no difference, does it, really? I think we were all just shocked that somebody with that much money who lives in a £10 million house would fly EasyJet. You know, you just expect her to fly, you know, her own private jets or something like that. Uh, Machete-wielding migrants have made Calais a war zone with truckers risking their lives every day. Why don't we just stop going to Calais? Why don't we just go somewhere else? Let's go further around the coast. Do something else. Prince Harry's night out with Lady Gaga. Another opportunity for the prince to dress down and not bother putting a tie on. Very little respect going on in the royal family at the moment. I think somebody needs to take him to one side. Says, is it possible you can dress up as opposed to looking like you've just wandered in from Mahiki? Are you fit enough for your age? I've decided I'm not doing any more of these stupid, stupid polls on the, on the, uh, on the internet. Got me far too depressed the other week. Uh, the police in the new Jana probe. Labour peer, we're now being told, abused a boy on a trip to Scotland. And so the police have located the relevant files, which show a complaint was made at the time. So this is, this is quite interesting. And so they're reopening. They've launched a dramatic new investigation. And uh, I think it could be that somebody could take out a private prosecution against him. If the... Uh, if the Crown Prosecution Service says still they're not going to do anything, it's beginning to smack, really, of something just not really very pleasant at all. The Independent, the ex-Greenpeace chief, denounces immoral anti-GM protests. And, uh, and the sad story that we brought you the other day on LBC of, uh, of Lee Irving. He, um, he was killed, they think, for having learning difficulties. Six people have now been arrested on suspicion of his murder in Newcastle. Isn't that absolutely awful that somebody's life can end at the age of 24 and his body was just left there and, you know, 
Six people have been arrested. He had learning difficulties, and they think that's why he was killed. Isn't that the most awful story you've ever read for his, for his family to think that his life finished on a piece of grass and his body was lying there overnight? I think that's absolutely tragic. Times this morning, motorists facing car hire chaos over the new licences. Do go to the DVLA website. It'll make it so much easier for you. But just remember... You do need to have your driving licence with you. And I think you'll need your national insurance number as well. The Sun this morning, Kate Mess, Jet Booze Bin. She calls female pilot Basic Bitch. That means something, apparently. In America, Hungry Star rants at Cruise Pasta. And that's just about it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your uh, company. It's been uh, a lot of fun. You can listen to LBC whenever and wherever you like by downloading the LBC app. It's on lbc.co.uk. And if you missed any of today's show, there's the LBC podcast app, available for iPhones and now Android phones as well. I'm back with you tomorrow morning at four. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Steve Allen Show. Free podcast coming up for you in about 15 minutes' time. Uh, at seven this morning, it's Nick Ferrari and the team, and it's Ask Boris. But next, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.